The following is a world-class Bullshitters exclusive. Folks, we are live. Submit to the High Council here on World Class Bullshitters. I'm your host, Jeff Hicks, and tonight we have a very special lineup. Of course you know him, my co-host. He's here every week, and you wouldn't have a show without him. I wouldn't have a show without him. Say hello to the one, the only, Caffeinated Wolf. Hey, what is going on, chat? Hail to the chat! Hail to the High Council! Fantastic to be here. Uh, excuse my voice. I am on the, the tail end of a cold right now. It's okay, dude. Look, I get it. Uh, I'm surprised I avoided holiday sickness, but I'm lucky. Uh, but we have another guest tonight who wasn't as lucky, but we want to thank you. I want to thank you for joining us. And folks, send some love to the one, the only, Mary Mayhem. Hi, guys. I also am on the tail end. I pray it's the tail end of the sickness, but I have a voice, which is way better than it was last week. So we're here and I'm excited. I'm so excited to be here tonight. Thanks for shooting me a text, Jeff. I'm, I'm uber, uber happy about the, the conversation to have this evening. Well, when we're having a topic on something specialized, you got to get somebody who's well-versed, dare I say an expert on certain things. So we wanted to get <laughs> a good take on tonight's topic because folks, in the world of entertainment, there's all sorts of battles being fought. There's the culture war, there's this war, there's that war. But there's one battle that I'm always on the outside of, but I find very fascinating because it, it seems very pointless. And it's the battle against Harry Potter and this J.K. Rowling controversy and all of that stuff. It rolls in with the wokeness, it rolls in with all that stupidity, but it makes me roll my eyes no matter what, because this is the one that I just don't get. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about a few other things tonight. But before we do, folks, I want to say hail and welcome to everyone in the chat. And let's start out by saying hail to our friend Enrique Vasquez. What is up to you? Or what is up, buddy, tonight? Uh, hail to our friend Miss Ninja Julian. Hail to Libra Wolf. Want to give a shout out to Keely Chow, AJ Journeyman, Clone Geek, Spaceship Vampire, Cortanus 001, as well as Cortanus 001's drink, Gear Stark, Adama, uh, Aya Nodic, and a whole lot more, including Shrebels 08. Matt G, and of course, Sejorjan. Now, folks, if I sat here and welcomed everyone who came in and out of the show, it would just be good morning pop culture because all we'd be doing is saying, hey, hey, hell. <laughs> but you know what? That's cool. I appreciate each and every one of you joining me tonight. I appreciate each and every one of you joining us tonight for the show as well. And I appreciate everyone who backs the content each and every day. WCBS is here on YouTube. We're all across all the platforms. So if you get bored, just Google WCBS. We're going to be right here for you. And we got some new stuff coming starting tomorrow. Now, folks, before we get into tonight's show, one more piece of news. I dropped a new toy video over the weekend. And it goes to reaffirm what people like WDW Pro over on that park place, as well as our friend Valiant Renegade has been saying for the last few months. And really, it's just been confirming what I've been saying for the last few years. I've been showing you out in the market that these Disney-owned properties they make some money at the box office. They don't make as much as they could or should, and they don't really do much else afterwards because we've always talked about a movie property. It has legs out in the real world. And well, we're finding out that some of the biggest movies today don't have the legs that Hollywood would like you to believe they have. They'd like you to believe that these movies make a billion dollars and they make a trillion dollars in merchandising and they save the world and feed the hungry. No, it's not that good. What it is realistically is these movies make some money, they cost a lot more than we realize, and then the merchandise kind of flounders around. And so folks, I bring this up to you each and every time that I find it because it goes to show you the state of our popular culture. We have big mega corporations that own it all and they pump out crap willy nilly and it doesn't work and it kills the brand, it kills the interest and it kills the genre. 
dare I say, comic book movies have been set back many, many years because of the apathy shown by Marvel. And well, we're going to talk about that late tonight in the show. We're going to be talking about the Ant-Man Quantumania trailer and a whole lot more during our cape shit session. But folks, we have J.K. Rowling to start with. So folks in the chat, if you have any comments about tonight's topic, make sure you send them in. Uh, this is going to be... I won't say educational because that's boring. This isn't PBS. I'm not Mr. Rogers. Believe me, I'm not Mr. Rogers. I don't have a sweater. But we are going to learn a little bit about this because this is a topic that I found fascinating and we needed to get some outside ears. So Mary Mayhem, we talked briefly about Harry Potter off air and it was fun because it was nice to hear you talk about something you're so passionate about. And this J.K. Rowling stuff has caught my interest over the last few years because it seems to be a never-ending cycle. So would you mind taking us back to the start? What is the inciting incident with the J.K. Rowling uh, backlash? Oh, well, that's pretty easy to pinpoint. Uh, back in around, I would say it was about 2015, uh, they dropped the uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It's a stage play. Uh, it's not a book. It's meant to be the canon sequel to Harry Potter, and it's garbage. And fans universally rejected it. But in the process of making this insanely shitty uh, sequel to the Harry Potter books, uh, they came to Rowling and in, in order to, they wanted to cast their play and they said, Hey, we want to cast uh, a black girl as Hermione. Is that, is that cool? Is, is Hermione black? And Rowling said some dumb shit as Rowling is wont to do from time to time, which we like Harry Potter fans across the spectrum understand. We, we love, we love JK. Okay. But sometimes she says some dumb shit and and we've just learned to accept her sometimes with it take her with a grain of salt because most of the time she's really on point and she's really she's really thinking things through and she's 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 pretty thorough but then sometimes she says something stupid like sure uh hermione has brown hair and brown frizzy hair and brown eyes hermione could be black completely forgetting that the books actually describe her as having a white face so there's some egg on on rowling's face uh for that and she got a lot of heat from her fans who were all like um yeah no that's that's not true though because this line right here in your book exists and it literally describes hermione's face as white and so she got some crap for that she got some extra crap later um more from like the more conservative side the conservative fans when she outed Dumbledore as gay. Now, personally, I never had a problem with Dumbledore being gay because I've read the books and it's the, the, the basis for that for him being gay, it makes complete sense. It makes total sense. Yeah, I could definitely see why why she might say that 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 Dumbledore was gay, but it did give her a bit of backlash. And and so and she said some things throughout the course of her tenure that a lot of fans look at and go, "Well, that's not very coherent or consistent." Uh, she she stuck her foot in her mouth a few times. Uh, Accio or Asio, depending on uh, where you're from in the world, uh, the spell is supposed to not work on living beings, but then sometimes it does work on living beings, and you like so what is it rattling and then she'll say something completely incoherent or the fact that mrs norris is not half nasal even though there's no other explanation for how that cat acts that way sometimes Rowling says some dumb shit. But I think you can pinpoint that backlash of people looking at Rowling and going, okay, so clearly you haven't, you don't always think everything through before you open your mouth. Uh, back to about 2015. That was when it sort of got started with her. And you could say that some of it was woke. Uh 
I would say some of it certainly was woke, but I would say a lot of it just has to do with the fact that sometimes rallying just runs around like a chicken with their head cut off. Hmm. Now, what about the more recent backlash that we see coming from the woke side? Oh, well, that that has to do with, so for those of you who aren't caught up on your Twitter sphere, um, Rowling has taken a very uh, firm and and loud stance on uh, transgenderism. And, and a lot of people have accused her of being uh, transphobic. What she said was, marry who you want to marry, dress how you want to dress, call yourself what you want to call yourself, uh, live your best life. I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. But at the end of the day, you can't tell other people what they have to think. And, and that was what she said. Um, she's been doxxed. Absolutely. She's been doxxed multiple times. Uh, the backlash that she got for affirming that f- that female is real, that, 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 that women are real and that they're not a state of mind has been insane. Um, she's said countless times that she has nothing but love for transgender people and that she would love to see them be happy and, and to live their best lives. But simultaneously, like female womanhood isn't a mask you can put on. And so uh, because she's taken that very firm stance, she's been decried by mostly the woke mob, certainly not by her own fans, because her own fans will show up even for crappy Fantastic Beast movies. Um, so much so that she's that she still somehow got a third movie, even after Johnny Depp being taken off the project. I don't know how you could say that that she's anything but successful amongst her fans. Most people, most people really love JK and and really love what she's created in, in so far as the wizarding world, and they're willing to put up with a lot of garbage um and stupidity uh to to be a part of that that wonderful world because it's a trade-off for most people and, and it's still a win, you know, it's it still feels like you win at the end of the day. So whether you agree with Rowling or not, she created something special. This is absolutely our generation's Tolkien or our generation's, uh, you know, Chronicles of Narnia. Or actually, I would say it's, it's probably more impactful even than Chronicles of Narnia to a certain extent oh, just yeah. because it's so much longer. As, as somebody who grew up, re- I, I transit. how about that being a word in this conversation? I transitioned from, <laughs> uh, you know, reading Dr. Seuss and Berenstein Bears and Corduroy to uh yes, c.s totally. lewis you know i started reading you know the the chronicles of narnia uh series the saga and then i went right from that into the hobbit and as somebody who has read all of Tol- well not all of tolkien's works several times but i've read the core four books multiple times and i've read all of uh the narnia books multiple times even only just now going through the books which how ha- with how much density and how much deep diving I've done with Rowling's world, she did immensely more world building than than C.S. Lewis did. And that, that and that wasn't what C.S. Lewis was trying to do. Those are, those no, are it wasn't short his, books. It wasn't his forte. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't his forte. Uh, R- Rowling She's is far a more builder. Tolkien than, yes. than C.S. Lewis. Rowling is a world builder. And, and insofar as her world building went, I would say that she, she, she stands, uh, she stands among the greats like Tolkien, um, because she's absolutely gone as in depth. Um, she, she's, she's still got her fingers in it. She's still, she's still doing stuff and has been for the better part of, you know, 30 years now. 
Um, and so I think that to sit there and not acknowledge the cultural impact of J.K. Rowling and, and Harry Potter is obtuse and downright ignorant. You, um, Mary, you can't look. I was one of those kids who was like fantasy adjacent growing up. I didn't sure. like fantasy at all. I actively avoided a lot of stuff. But I couldn't avoid Harry Potter being so popular. Now, again, I didn't read. I read one of the books, the first one, when it came out. wasn't my thing. I, I can tell you where I stopped. They got to the train platform, and I went, all right, maybe I'll pick it up later. And I never did. Hell, my mom even bought me the first four books because it was just this thing everybody was into. Yeah. So the impact, like, I know we talk about uh, all the impacts of pop culture. We're in a weird place where Harry Potter's impact is still kind of being felt in a different way because it's evolved like i didn't really discover lord of the rings until the movie came out and even then i didn't jump into it but with harry potter you just you couldn't get away even when there wasn't a movie yeah. year even when there before the movies it came out i remember the books were just really popular kids talked about them incessantly that way that woman created the last massive mega mega property well i mean what yeah. comes after that because everything we sell right now is old yeah, but Marvel existed before Harry Potter. Is, yeah, here's here's something that that's it's... probably going to tick some people off. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna own this one. Y'all are gonna hear it and y'all are gonna like it. Oh, you won't. Rowling created a property that allowed for more personalization. Yes. For the reader than anything that preceded it. Agreed, hundred percent. You can dude. you can talk to any you can sure you can talk to star wars fans about what their favorite character is what their favorite storyline is you can sure. do the same with anything marvel dc you can do the same thing with lord of the rings etc etc however you do not have the same level of personalization and the passion for that personalization that you do with rowling's world Rowling didn't just open the door and invite you into her world she pulled out a chair at the table she said, um, sit she, down. Yes. And she wants you to, she wants you to stay. She wanted you to stay. She wanted you to find your own place, your place in this world, not just, and I think that's probably why it, why it resonates so deeply with people is because uh, it's not just an, an excursion into escapism um, like so many of us enjoy with, you know, Star Wars and, and, and Tolkien and, and leaving to go to this wonderful, fantastical place that is outside of our own. And it's, it's, it's literally inserting yourself into this world and some like the the main joke among potterheads is uh my letter just got lost right my letter i'm i'm not a muggle i don't belong here i have i don't belong here i, I should be at hogwarts right now um my letter just got lost and mm -hmm. that's and and that's that's it makes you and you genuinely feel an ownership of of harry potter and hogwarts and and as though it's I think it has been the most friendly in terms of, of, of ownership by the fans of, of all of the prominent franchises that I can think of, um, because it doesn't just want you to come up and sit down and talk about it. It wants you to find your place. Where do you fit into all of this? And that's why Hogwarts Legacy is so appealing to so many of us, because we have for decades now uh, asserted our place because Rowling told us we had a place. We, we, we belonged in one of these houses and you could find out what that was if you if you if you found out what characteristics you had we you had a place well now this hogwarts legacy is is defining that even further and allowing us to play out our own story as we've always wanted to 
uh, with this. And it, it beckons us. It's, it's a strong call um, to feel as though our place in this world is, is, is about to be realized. And so it's incredibly enticing. And you <laughs> you're not going to change our minds. That's not happening. <laughs> like No, and not you're not going anywhere. to because Harry Potter fans, actual Harry Potter fans, have been fans of this stuff through a really long period of time of there not being any new actual Harry Potter content. Yes, there were the Fantastic Beasts movies, and those are Harry Potter adjacent. The first movie performed well, the second two not so much. Um, but Harry Potter merch still oh, yeah. sells like hotcakes. Dude. Constantly. I live, like I told you guys, I live five miles from Universal. We go quite frequently. The Harry Potter land, I don't even want to call it whatever it's called because it's just, it's a thing. Like me, who doesn't really care about Harry Potter that much, but this conversation in the pop culture aspect is too good to, I want to, you know, I want to get into this, but like I go to Harry Potter land and even I go, oh, this is cool. There's a train, this conductor guy yeah. talks to you, the butterbeer is actually tasty, and the food, like I go to Harry Potter land to eat, they have the best, they have like British pub food, they have ribs, they have this really delicious spiced cider, like Mm -hmm. The Harry Potter experience is actually kind of fun. You don't even have to have known the movies. I couldn't tell you, like, I couldn't tell you all the names of the movies. I couldn't tell you every little detail, all of his friends and shit. But I can tell you exactly what I'm going to eat at that park and where to buy this mm -hmm. and what. Like, it's everywhere, man. And I know all the, the candy shops and the damn wands and all that crap. I even had the guy give me the whole spiel about pick your wand and all this crap. I didn't buy a wand. It's just a stick. But, you know, like, it was exciting to get sold this. I can understand how Harry Potter could appeal to anybody. It's just got well, it all. And Harry Potter is full of some of the most easygoing, laid-back, hardcore fans ever. And I know that that sounds like an oxymoron. But uh, Harry po po Potterheads welcome normies. Um, we, we've already – we accepted when the movies came out that our, that our books were never going to get a proper – might never get a proper – on screen uh telling of what actually happened like we we got screwed out of ron weasley pretty badly because mary mary sue hermione took every important moment that he ever had in any of the books and literally just hijacked it um so we accepted a long time ago that that normies were going to impact our stuff and 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 we we were happy that we still had what we had because Rowling was putting out articles on Pottermore and we could still read more of this information and and we still had all all of these wonderful aspects of the wizarding world that were right at our fingertips and if you were a normie that was cool because we you didn't we didn't feel cheated by you in any way shape or form you know what I mean like you welcome come in and and if if all the further you get is whether or not you get sorted um into a house. That's cool, bro. I actually want to share something if it's okay with Andrew. Um, this happened just a few days after Christmas. I won't say our friend's name on uh, who we did this with, but we, they had expressed to us that they had gotten their first piece of Harry Potter merch for Christmas from a, from a family member. And Andrew and I started talking afterwards and we were like, he's getting merch now. It's only a matter of time before someone goes and gets him a crappy wand. 
<laughs> and that's his first one. We can't let this happen um, because our friend is becoming increasingly invested in these books and he's now most of the way through them and he's speeding through them at the speed of light and he's and he's and he's genuinely becoming entrenched in this in this this universe with us and we're so thrilled and so excited to have him go from being a normie even though we would have accepted normiedom uh, all along we, we loved him anyway <laughs> but we found out hey he's getting he's really getting into this and we said it's you know it we, we need to be the ones to get him his first wand because we want to get him a real wand. And so we went to the Noble Collection and we purchased him together uh, a solid wand of his favorite character. And we had that sent to him because your first wand should be special. And so um, I think you, and I, I mean, I don't say that to sit here and pretend as though I represent how every Harry Potter fan will ever embrace anybody ever. But I will tell you this, um, they, they, they'll want to hear about what you think. And they'll want to hear what house you're in and they'll want to hear your favorite character. And they'll want to talk to you about that because we just love talking about it. And, and we, we, we're glad you're here. We're super glad you're here. We're still having fun. We're still having fun over here. There's an excitement for it and a, a genuine passion for it that you don't see out of a lot of these other fandoms that exist in this space. These other fandoms that have in, in most respects, at least in the mainstream kind of gone to shit in star Wars Marvel and DC and all of that uh, because there's nothing to be excited about that's new and and there's a, a very distinct lack of people saying okay so all the new stuff is shit let's laugh at that but let's focus on the stuff that was good and have fun geeking out over that there is very little of that in this space and just online in general um reddit and all that is filled with weirdos and shippers which are fucking fandom cancer um but with harry potter even during those years where there was no new content or where the only new content that was being produced was the fantastic beast movies which underperformed overall even though the first one did well there was still that passion and the fandom was still always excited to talk to new fans. Well, I disagree Disagree that there was no content. There was no mainstream pop culture content necessarily being produced. Certainly no movies. Um, only a handful of instances where you had a game. But as far as Pottermore was, was the original site, now it's called Wizarding World. And I respect the attempt to um, to transition from being about Harry Potter because you, you want the Wizarding World to open up. You want it to broaden its horizons because I would like to see it flourish. And I, I don't necessarily need every single conversation to be about Harry Potter. There are lots of interesting characters sprinkled throughout the lore of the Wizarding World. World. Um, and, and J.K. Rowling has spent uh, several decades now writing additional novels. It's, it's just like those those books. Um, like so the expanded universe in Star Wars, they had all of these books and people really loved them. So same thing, um, just in a generally a smaller, smaller format. So we got it in article form a lot, but it was it was straight from J.K. Rowling. Yeah, article uh, or short story in some case. Absolutely. And there's a ton of that content that has been and still is coming out uh, from Rowling on a constant and regular basis. She's always giving us something, some new little nugget uh, to, to chew on. And so for for us, the, the, the content never for those who were genuinely like into it like me and we're like, oh, my gosh, this is like I just cannot get enough. This is my crack. Give me more of my crack. Um, it it. it 
still rolls out regularly and and we're grateful for that even pottermore has been archived and, and so you can still go and look that stuff up and read those articles and there are tons of fun to read and and, and i absolutely uh compare it to the expanded universe of star wars because there's just so much information and no. such a rich world that's been built now, Mary, the one thing I'd like to bounce off when you said about, and you too, Andrew, you're talking about how there wasn't a glut of Harry Potter to come out during a certain window. I think that is beneficial, and that's the key and the problem with where we are now with modern entertainment. And I don't mean like modern within the last 10 years. I mean within the last like five, four to five maybe, because let's just take it back. Beginning of the MCU, it was one movie, maybe two a year at the most in some years you didn't even have any to build to something bigger what i'm trying to get as things had time to marinate with star wars mm -hmm. again star wars is its own thing back in the day it didn't have a ton of competition and it took three years to get a sequel meaning people this huge thing came out and it built and it built and it built and it built and it was everywhere we have too many things coming out that distract from anything building i don't think you'll get anything to the level of harry potter without a lot of work because of the way Harry Potter did it. It it released movies at the right time. The books came out at the right pace. It kept itself in part of as part of the conversation in an exciting manner for a really big window. And so mm -hmm. it didn't have to do anything to compromise itself. And I think that's why it is locked in as one of those now forever properties. To tell you the truth, I've learned more about Harry Potter from watching Doctor Who than I have actually experiencing Harry Potter because they reference it, they talk about J.K. Rowling, they quote stuff. It just it's a part of everyday life and i think mm -hmm. it's release schedule is part of that beneficial because now you can't get anything to stick around for more than five minutes uh what was the last great unique original property that we had come out that people are still going on about it's it's harry potter it's harry potter <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's everything else is um a, a re repackaging of something that already exists and look i i appreciate um that content that I deeply love from my childhood still, like I, I love the Clone Wars from Star Wars, right? But it's not new. It's it bounces off of Star Wars, which is fine. That's a part of that world building. But but Harry Potter was the last original that I that I can tell, that, that I can see. I mean, I think Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children was a thing, but it never became a large IP, um, and it was very clearly trying to piggyback off of Rowling, right? And so it certainly wasn't original. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I I don't pretend to be a Miss Peregrine's aficionado, but I do know that it it entered into the public the public consciousness for like two seconds, and then everybody was over it. Whereas Potter is sort of always in the peripheral and has been since it came out. Even if you're not a Potter fan, it's like it's right there in your peripheral vision. Everyone knows what it is, and it's pretty easily accessed, even if you're not a book type, because the movies are are still you know pretty good. Um, I mean, book fans can be frustrated with them at certain points, but but they have their redeeming factors, and uh, and we appreciate what they did to bring Harry Potter into the mainstream. Not that it needed much help because Rowling did that alone with the books. The books were up. The books exploded. There the were a lot. Were a phenomenon. There's, there's actually a lot to be said <laughs> for the boom in literacy and the boom yep. of interest in literacy that came about from those books. Yep. Kids read because of Rowling. Kids, yeah. kids read. It was just like little boys with comic books. You couldn't get them to read, you know, all of these books that, you know, girls, girls have always read. You know, you gave us a 
babysitter's club book and girls will read, but little boys, uh, you couldn't get them to read when I was a little girl. And so the only way to get a boy to read was to put either a comic book in front of him or put Harry book in, or put Harry Potter in front of him. That was it. That was the only way you could get a little boy to read. Uh, Harry Potter did a, a great service to little boys across the world for giving them something to want to, to, to lock their eyeballs on too. I don't know, Mary. Um, uh, once a month, Nintendo Power Magazine rolled around and I couldn't put that thing down <laughs> until the next issue rolled around the next month. <laughs> but you could hardly call that literature. <laughs> oh, it, so. it was not literature. It was commercials wrapped up in video game cheat codes, and I wanted to buy everything. <laughs> and then you wanted all of them. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I, I had a single mom who was like, all right, honey, what's another game going to hurt? I was a good student. But no, no, I'm with you about the literacy of Harry Potter. I, I Again, being this fantasy-adjacent kid, I was off wanting to play with my Nintendo 64, maybe Pokemon cards, but there were a lot of the Harry Potter kids. It was its own sect. It was mostly girls, a couple boys, but this kind of stuff in hindsight makes me really appreciate it. Not to sound like an old guy, but it's like, yeah, literacy is important. Getting people educated is the number one key to everything. And if you can find something enjoyable that, you know, challenges people, expands their minds, make them, you know, want to create or at least consume more reading, that's a win across the board. I don't, and the whole Harry Potter thing, this whole saga with J.K. Rowling is the most forced push against something I've ever seen, ever. Because all the articles, all the things you talk about, it's like, well, it's Salon Magazine or Vogue or the Mary Sue. It's like, that's great that these are problems for you people. But the rest of the world's like Mary and Andrew having a good time talking about Harry Potter. And the other part of the world is over at the theme parks celebrating it nonstop. Like I told you oh, guys yeah. off air, I see people from every walk of life, black to white, gay and straight, anything, any part of the world, it doesn't matter. They're all there wearing those fucking robes, waving those wands, smiling, <laughs> having a good time. These people on the internet, that's why I wanted to talk about this tonight, folks, because people want to talk about wokeness and insanity and all this crazy shit. Yeah, that's out there. This, to me, is the most insane fucking one, because not only are people offended by something that's kind of stupid, they're trying to make a crusade out of it and act like it's a real crusade. But it's like and they're failing saying, miserably. Thank you. Oh because yeah. Reality Everybody keeps saying no. Thank you. There is no greater example of if you don't let the woke mob have any power over you, it just doesn't. Like when you this this shows you what little power they actually have because these people are losing their minds in, on you know inverse the gamer screen rant game rant. IGN, all of these, you know, mainstream publications, Vogue, uh, Rolling Stone, you name it, they've got somebody talking shit about Rowling and about people who are interested in, you know, Hogwarts Legacy, which comes out in less than a month now. Which, um, by the way, is still t trending. Hogwarts Legacy has trended every single day for over a week now. Yeah. Um, because they're pissed off about it. It's oh, absolutely hilarious. They're it's absolutely hilarious. Watching the meltdowns on Twitter is 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 so entertaining, so obscenely funny to me, uh, because they keep saying insane things like, "Well, you're you're contributing to hate, you're transphobic, you're they're, they're genuinely trying to label you a bad person for for purchasing game. Hogwarts Legacy." To every single tweet that has crossed my path, and there have been a, there have been several. So if you follow me over on Twitter and you see some redundancy, I, I make no apologies whatsoever. The first thing I say is, "Do you own a smartphone?" 
Well, then, uh, aren't you contributing to the enslavement of children over in China who are working in sweatshops to make your iPhone? Don't lecture me about morality. You have no right. You are a giant hypocrite. You have no right to tell me what is and isn't inherently good while you are sitting there with that smartphone in your hand. Don't talk to me about your your proximity to to goodness or badness based on what you do or do not consume right like even freaking vegans are murdering a bajillion animals to open up the fields that it takes to grow their freaking beans you have no idea where what you have comes from or how what you what you consume impacts the world around you you just care about what you can stick underneath of yourself on your little podium of virtuosity and 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 unearned moral superiority don't talk to me about that. and people are buying it people are not buying it i see tweets like this all the time how'd you get labeled a right a right-wing extremist harry potter books like this is absurd this is absolutely absurd and no one is taking it for anything other than the absolute laughing stock of a joke that it is not only are people not taking it seriously and like ignoring what these unhinged weirdos on twitter and on these websites and in magazines are saying they are doing the exact opposite of what those screaming unhinged weirdos want them to do they're telling you you can't go buy this game that makes you a horrible person they're saying fuck you, my money, I actually like this shit, or yep. who knows, maybe I don't, but it looks interesting, I'll buy one. Maybe yeah. I'll buy two. Maybe you just like RPGs, and maybe you just like open world formats, maybe you just want to do, maybe you just want to play a new game that you that you think you'll enjoy. How about that? Those are all damn good reasons to purchase a game. And no, I don't want to think about the moral implications that go with every single decision I ever make because I'll go crazy. That's not possible. We live in a far too overly informed world for anybody to have any peace of mind anymore. Okay, I'm not judging people who have smartphones. I have an iPhone. It's an iPhone 8. It sucks. It's old as crap because I'm not trying to buy a new one. Screw you, Apple. But like also at the same time, I'm well aware that that holding this phone has implications. I just will lose my mind if I think about every implication about everything that I ever do at any given juncture in life. I just can't do it. No one can. No one can. So back the fuck off, dude. Just back off. This game's a look. month away now, and it is already the top-selling game on Steam. Yep. It is the top-selling game on Amazon. Or Amazon. Was it PlayStation on, as well? And on PlayStation 5. Yeah, you know, and for this... the and, and it's for the eighty dollar deluxe edition. So not not even just the sixty dollar edition, the eighty dollar one. Yeah, which I bought. <laughs> Look, even I'm interested in this game. I'm I saw the trailer last year. I think there was a big PlayStation. Either there was a trailer for... State of Play back in April. Yeah, okay. I watched it then, and I went, "Huh, that actually looks kind of cool." It looks kind of dangerous because, folks. I can get into any kind of game, even if I don't necessarily love the property. Hear me out. Jurassic Park. Love the first movie. Own the box set. Would not call myself this JP enthusiast. Couldn't tell you, you know, every detail. Name all the dinosaurs. None of that shit. But I fucking love the Jurassic Park world builder. I got that. I play it way too much. I'm terrible. Intentionally terrible. I want to get other people eaten. But Monetize it. Hair- monetize it stream it from your house perspective i'm just saying if you're gonna devote and i'm gonna i'm gonna do this too like i'm gonna devote far too much time i literally i literally asked off for the seventh of next month from my from my you know my day job the one that like makes sure that i can feed my dogs and myself 
Um, like I literally asked for the seventh off so that I can stream it because if I'm going to play this game and I am going to play this game, I'm going to have to monetize it. And the thing is, is this is such a customizable game that any one experience is going to be completely different from from someone else's experience because you're going to wind up finding yourself coming at it from a completely different angle a completely different point of view if you're a slytherin you're going to be hanging out in the slytherin common room and if you're uh if you're a ravenclaw you're going to be hanging out in the ravenclaw common room and there's going to be a lot of different angles and aspects to this game and so with that in mind i like i highly encourage anybody that is interested in playing this game and who's like afraid they're going to lose their life to it monetize it just monetize it put it on twitch you might as well you're going to be playing it anyway if if hogwarts legacy is also here's here's the here's the perfect thing to make the wokies scream and lose their minds so I would love to see Hogwarts Legacy, Harry Potter, Wizarding World, and I stand with J.K. Rowling trending on on Twitter. And I would love to see Hogwarts Legacy as the most viewed stream game on Twitch. That would be hysterical to me. Yeah. And honestly, with the way things are going and how the game is already, not just looks like it's going to do gangbusters, it's already doing gangbusters. Oh, yeah. It's entirely plausible that that'll happen. This goes back to uh, what we were saying earlier about Rowling created a property that is so easy to just kind of slot yourself into and truly personalize your experience and be able to cling to that personalization in a way that you don't really get to with other fandoms. And that's not a knock against those things. They have plenty of other redeeming qualities about them. But this is something that's fairly unique to Rowling's world. And the game is honing in on exactly that. The developers are fans. They have dedicated lore experts. Hey, Disney and Lucasfilm, take notes. They have dedicated lore experts on staff that are in constant contact with Rowling's own lore team to make sure that every inch of this game tracks with the world that she created. And, and we that is get to music be Potterhead's ears. We get to be ourselves in that world. That has been the dream. You ask any Harry Potter fan, that has been the dream from day one. And yeah. that's what they're getting. And Pete, no amount of screaming weirdos on Twitter or Rolling Stone authors is going to be able to tear us from doing no. exactly well that. literally we just whip out our wands and look at them and we're like muffliato <laughs> and we just like like i can't hear you la, 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 la. and we just skip along and we leave because we i don't cast care. fuck you is what we <laughs> and, and these weirdos though they're so unhinged over this game mary mary covered the the general jk rowling controversy but it gets even weirder with this game guys Let's this game this game has truly highlighted two things one being a positive one being a negative the positive being the the passion and strength behind the harry potter fandom how much hunger there is for content how much of a, a passion and desire there is for a game like this um on the other side the the vitriol the venom and then and the just absolute bereft of sanity and logical reasoning from these people that have been attacking Rowling for the last several years. There were people on Twitter 
calling for hate campaigns and um, spam campaigns against the game on platforms like Steam to where you can you can add custom tags to to the game's uh, Steam store page. So like, okay, so this is an RPG, this is an open world game, this is an action game, this is a fantasy game, blah, 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 blah. There were people trying to label this as like, oh, it's a villain protagonist game just because it's Harry Potter. So you're, you're a villain. It, they're, they're saying you are a villain if yeah. you are buying this game. Uh, Literally. One of them was insane. Uh, capitalism, I guess. Yeah. That's that's yeah. a bad thing. That's I, a bad I don't thing. Know. I'm this, this was my favorite one, though. This one was the best genocide simulator so they're basing that probably off of the goblin wars like the the goblin wars without getting super 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 into it um the goblin wars are something that uh, has taken place multiple times throughout the wizarding world there have been different uprises and things like that and generally speaking goblins are kind of assholes but wizards can be kind of assholes too and there's sort of this this struggle for i suppose you maybe to, to be the ones with their hands on the pulse of the wizarding world, right? And so you could make an argument that it's about wizard supremacy, right? Um, but what they what they don't get into are all the wizards that you know goblins. That, look, history is bloody, guys. History is bloody, and it's not nice. Okay, and so to think that uh, the wizarding world deserves some kind of perfect always like like this weird projection of current day morals onto the history of a a, a fictitious world as though it should as though it should ascribe to current day value systems in a in a world that is over a hundred years like 120 130 years back in the past as well as a fictitious world is absurd you're insane you're insane to sit there and act like they're like like no war should have ever existed and all of these wizards are genocidal maniacs because they because they had conflict with the goblins is insane. You people are crazy. You're actually crazy. Calm the fuck down, Karen. Jesus. Just like Sirius says, you know, people aren't just separated into good people and death eaters. There's people are more than one thing. And yes, there are asshole wizards. Yes, there are asshole goblins. There are a lot of asshole goblins, actually. But they're trying to base it off of that. Another thing that they've they've loved to try and do, and this has been a thing for several years, is they've tried to accuse Rowling of anti-Semitism. And the, <laughs> here, wait for it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it to you. Because goblins. What? They're they're saying that. Rowling's use of goblins because goblins have racist. long noses and they and they become the money managers of the the wizarding world. It's an analogy for Jewish people, and she's an anti-Semite. Uh, wow, man, hold on, Mister Fantastic couldn't even reach that fucking far. God, yeah, that's that. I'm gonna file that away with um. Orcs are racist because you think that they're black people. Uh, that says because, a lot more about you. Because because or, because me. orcs happen to have prominent lips. Um, all of a sudden, every they're black people. They're an, they're an analogy for black people. What the hell is wrong with you? That says way more about your racism than it does freaking <laughs> like 
the fact that you're inserting that, the fact that that's where your head, I never thought of that as a little girl, as a little girl, I just thought that, uh, they were really a Slytherin, um, just because evil, you know, that's the easy throwaway answer. Sorry. Um, I just thought that, uh, that it was really cool that these magical creatures that were such, such sticklers about money and were so, uh, like like they were genuinely kind of creepy um but that they were well suited for it and if you go through the books you begin to understand a bit more of the conflict but if anything the harry potter books are a tribute to uh the ability to eventually learn to work together with cre people or creatures in the case of harry potter that you've had conflict in the past with and learned true tolerance and and how to to find a way to get along and how to to play to one another's strengths and there's still some tension there there's still definitely some tension there and things don't always work out great but you know that's life that was something rowling excelled at was rowling never made it easy she, she never made anyone good or bad that's not how life works she just made characters made who people. I yeah. just see people. Yeah, genuinely. Like <laughs> like one and of people one are of my flawed. Well, one of my favorite things about Rowling is that she made and it she made Dumbledore gay. And I could see that in the books when she said it. I was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. But what I appreciate so much about Rowling is that not that she made Dumbledore gay, but that she made Dumbledore Dumbledore, who happened to be gay. And that means so much to me. Because it's the kind of representation that if you're hellbound and determined that you want some kind of representation in your media, that's the way you should do it. Because Dumbledore is a guy, an incredibly brilliant, smart, amazing person with a lot of flaws who happened to like Dick. So, what? That's just a true what statement. A great... <laughs> well, there it is. There it is. <laughs> now, a lot of people in the chat, like Darian217, have been saying, this game looks cool. I kind of want to buy it based on the video alone. I, I I think I sold myself on a Harry Potter video game. Just by clicking <laughs> on this video and talking to you guys, it's like, look, live streaming If you enjoyed fun. Skyrim, you'll like this. See, the only pseudo-fantasy thing I ever dove into headfirst was The Legend of Zelda. That's mine. Like, Ooh. that level of fantasy, like, if we if that's in the fantasy realm that's as deep as i'll take it i need what it is for me in certain types of fantasy and that's why harry potter didn't really click is i like my fiction to be a little more vicious i don't want to say like edgy is a is a phrase where i'm trying to avoid because it's like ooh, edgy and different and whatever no it's try too hard no i need like there to be like a raw nature like in star wars when luke goes to finish vader there's like a primal uh, and he cuts his hand off or there's got to be some kind of like, I don't know, a little more, I don't know, let's say violence to it. And so that's why the Harry Potter stuff has always seemed kind of light. But I'm hoping this game, Ooh, you can you, do some of that's that That's just because you don't know. You don't know what a Horcrux is. Um, <laughs> well, Harry Potter, Harry Potter is a franchise that grew with its readers. The books, the stories get progressively darker. They get really dark. When I'm not talking, you know, Game of Thrones, you know, Westeros, you know, we're seeing dicks flop around constantly. But if you're going to talk about off. characters you love dying left and right, Rowling does that. And to to the 
devastation of the readers over and over and over again. It's incredibly gritty. And there's some really awful things to be to be found in Harry Potter and the knowledge that like everybody thinks Snape, oh, Snape loved Harry all along. No, he fucking didn't. He hated Harry. He tortured Harry. He despised Harry, but he loved his mother. He loved her so much that his hate for Harry was never was never stronger. It never it never outweighed anything the whole you can you can hate that that the whole theory is love right love conquers all or whatever but it goes about expressing that in an incredibly gritty awfully bloody uh encounter a lot of times and people who you expected to be evil aren't necessarily as evil as you thought and people who you thought might have been good maybe aren't so nice as you thought and people who you had on a pedestal suddenly turns out they're going to abandon their wife and kid to go off on a freaking adventure. What the hell's wrong with you Lupin? Jesus. You were the only good one left, man. Jesus. Like Harry Potter. People think of it as this nice, clean, tidy thing. You just watched the movies. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a disservice that the movies did. Yeah. You, the you movies know. were a very buttoned up version of the story. Yeah, you get a very sanitized version of these characters. Like, there's some there's some pretty raw stuff in there. Some pretty raw stuff. But hey, there's, look, that's just like you don't have to know all this stuff to play Hogwarts Legacy. This is a prequel. If you have none of this, this takes information place going hundred years before the books. Yeah. If you have we none of that information going deal. in, you're fine. But if you want that information, you can come hang out on my channel. I'm doing a series called Potter Watch where I'm explaining some of the more in-depth concepts of Harry Potter as we edge forward to this release which i'm super excited for yeah in fact we've hashtag got shameless plug tomorrow night Mary, <laughs> i love it now is there anything you want to cover uh, or say before you know our time's up with you tonight <sighs> jk rowling is just like every every character she's ever made she's she's a mixed bag of a lot of shit. And sometimes she's going to say some stuff that you're not going to like. And sometimes she's going to say some stuff that's going to make you want to go like her tweet 10 bajillion times. And I sort of have this theory or this, this working operation. Like, look, if you're looking for someone else to spout your own ideology out of their mouth, if that's all you want out of life is to hear your own ideology coming out of everybody else's mouth, then I would encourage you to to take a hard look at yourself and ask yourself if if that's if that's really a worthy way to live your life. I'm not your mom. I don't really care at the end of the day. But if you expect to come over and 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 hear what what you think coming out of my mouth, I'm going to tell you I'm going to disappoint you sometimes. But I would encourage you to not look for people who do that because they're going to disappoint you in the end. Cuz you're going to find out that people who just tell you what you want to hear and then spout what you think, what they think you want to hear all of the time to you. One day you're going to find out that a lot of that crap was not shit they meant at all anyway. They just told you what you wanted to hear. And I'd rather have a difficult truth than an easy lie. I think in the end, that's something we can all at least work with a little bit better. J.K. Rowling is not perfect. Uh, and I'm sure that there are plenty of flaws that people can dig up. I found plenty of flaws in the Harry Potter Wizarding World uh, franchise. But if you're looking for one of the last bastions of fucking fun to be had within the geek sphere, this is a pretty good place to be. Well said. Uh, we're not receiving any kind of sponsorship deal, but I kind of want to buy a <laughs> copy of the game. So, I mean, you're doing a good job. <laughs> 
No, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm still Maybe having you fun with it. should be on that lore this. team. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hashtag lore team. If you have a question, ask me. I, I probably have the answer. I don't boast about being an expert on a lot of things because I consider myself mostly a jack of all trades when it comes to the geekdom sphere. But this one, I know what I'm talking about with Harry Potter. I, I know this IP. I know this franchise like the back of my hands. And I can tell you there's something worth being had here, people. There's something fun here for you. There's still some good, some fun to be had in Geek Spheres. And this is this is one of the places to go for it. Well, I'm glad there's something to be hopeful for. I, I, I Folks, if you want me to play this game uh, and go on a really ridiculous <laughs> adventure with Harry you Potter... You have to... You have I'm not to gonna take get it seriously, sorted folks. first. We'll have so much fun. You have to get sorted first. You have to find out what house you go into. Let everybody know like what angle you're coming at this from, because that's so much of the fun. You know, I feel good because I can kind of make myself in this game. This character, if you're able to warp the faces, yeah, not the yeah. girl in the hat, but this dude, you know, with some alterations, I can make that look kind of like me. So there we go. I can really play this game as myself now. It'd be so weird. <laughs> and that's you're supposed the whole point. to though. That's, that's the, the point. point. Yeah. But the only thing that's gonna suck is if I can play a video game where the character looks like me, but there's no guns or explosions or cars or prostitutes. That's I want to play Grand Theft Auto with myself is what I want. But this is close enough. So I mean, you can go dark arts in this game. Apparently, you can go full full blown baddie in this. So. Um, as far as I understand, you you could go straight up uh, murder boner and and just have a blast with that. So I mean, you'll be doing it with a wand instead of a gun, but I could live I mean. with that. <laughs> now, Mary, before we let you go, uh, we do have a couple super chats that are directed at you, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, so, goody. <laughs> uh, let's say it on me. Um, introduce Mary to Fifty Shades of Gottfried since she missed it two weeks ago. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> yeah. It, it's pretty funny, <laughs> but uh, don't worry, Mary. You only have one other message. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron bubble. No, not today, and Now, Satan. Buffalo Andrew has to say, fillet a fenny snake in the cauldron boil and bake. What the fuck? Does he have to? Mm, he does. If he doesn't, I'll say it for him because I hate his face. Oh God! <laughs> I think he might have. Dis I think he might have disapparated. Boil and bake. Why? He'll be back in a moment, Mary. And this is your old pal Buffalo Jeff back ah! again. I'm wearing earbuds, you jackal. <laughs> what did I come back to? No, you're good. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't you worry your pretty little head about it. Hey. Um, We're also good. Shrubbles08 wants to know if, says, Jeff, could you please help Mary make a porky pig kicking a dog button? I can make it. I just need to find the, the I, I have it, Shrubbles. I just haven't, I just got to find the time. I got to find the time and the, the, the wellness moment to do it. Uh, we'll read one more because it's kind of related to you, but I want to thank John Thomas for all those messages. We're going to read yours uh, as soon as we get to that segment in just a moment. But Trace XL says, these clowns trying to smear J.K. Rowling and Hogwarts Legacy are acting like Death Eaters who are only the purest, where only the purest are accepted. That's not how the wizarding world works. We'll enjoy it. They can cope. Simple. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that it's... Um... 
I think that's one of the reasons why JK Rowling is so comfortable with all of this is because she, she understands deeply understands what it means to just be like, okay, yeah. So, I mean, you don't like it and, and people are more complex than that. And you're, you don't understand. And she's written characters that complex. And so she can just look at it and go, my money don't jiggle, jiggle. <laughs> it falls. And she just bops around. Like, and she, what was it you said earlier, Andrew? She has fuck you money. Like, yeah. Rowling has fuck you many. I, I think she's what, like one of the 200 most rich people in the world or something yeah. like that. I don't quote me on that, but I feel like that's what I read. Um, well, her net worth is 820 million pounds. Is that it? Really? I could have sworn she was a billionaire. Well, that would be over a billion dollars. Uh, yeah, that right would be here. over she's a billion US. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is fuck to- you money. Yeah, according to Celebrity Net Worth, she's worth a billion dollars. She's donated $150 million to charity. She sold 500 million copies of Harry Potter since 1997. And even though people are upset and angry at her, in 2019, sorry, between June 2018 and 2019, she earned another $90 million. Yeah, so, go like, figure. Yeah, she earns, off of royalties alone. Yeah. Oh, in a given year, she earns on average between 50 to $100 million on it um, in, in royalties yeah yeah there was a oh gosh it was a, a beautiful beautiful tweet it was probably the most based thing i have ever read in my life on the internet um oh where the hell is it oh here it is somebody tweeted at her asking how do you sleep at night knowing you've lost a whole audience from buying your books which these people were never actually fans to begin with the, the majority of the yeah. people saying oh you're losing fans you weren't a fan. Yeah, that's, that's her, her fans don't actually give a shit. Um, her quote tweet to this. You ready? Mm-hmm. I read my most recent royalty checks and find the pain goes away pretty quickly. Ah! <laughs> hey, goddamn! If you, if you got it like that, savage. No other living person has it like that. How many other creations are like? They're usually owned by the bigger corporations. They all sold. You know, right. All these superheroes. She are... still retains creative yep. control over her property. She didn't sell baby. it away. She allows, she made a deal with Warner to where they could do adaptations. Their approved studios can do games, but creative control still ultimately rests in her hands she alone. That's did how not you do it. Pull a George Lucas. She nope. absolutely, at the end of the day, she will not let anyone touch her baby. And I appreciate that. I can appreciate that. And look, I mean, good call, right? Because look what happened with George and Star Wars. We've regretted it ever since. Uh, I truly believe that the best hands for Harry Potter are Rowling's hands. Even if that means we never get another scrap of information ever again, at least what we have won't get further fucked up. It was still from the heart. Do you need more? Because look at how much you have and look at how much you can do with this game and everything else that's going like what else do you need like for me with star wars i didn't need another star wars thing to come out post 1997 i would have been happy forever so i mean i'd be happy to fan theorize i just don't think she can help herself i think she will continue to write articles till the day she dies and i'm actually okay with that I'd be okay with that. I'd love another adaptation. I would love a of a, a reboot into a series, like a, a, a ten episode hour long uh, 
hour-long episode series for each book. Like that'd be we great if I could actually get a good adaptation. On with uh, WDW Pro over on his channel, you guys should check that out. It's a great. You video. absolutely should. Um, I would love to see that reboot because you know you can't really fuck it up worse than Hermione stealing every single moment Ron ever had. But I love to get that. Yeah, but if I didn't, at the end of the day, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you're good. Andrew, you good? <laughs> I'm good, but I I wouldn't complain about more. No, I uh, certainly Mary, wouldn't either. One more thing before I can let you go. Darian217 says, hey, Mary, you never finished answering my brother's question from a few weeks ago. What would a match with two invisible people, sorry, what a match with two invisible people get you into wrestling? I, I, I don't know how to answer that. No, because I wouldn't or, even be seeing anything. How could it? Like, like, if they were visible people, I'm sure it wouldn't get me into wrestling. But invisible people can't hardly get me into something that I can't see. So I feel like this is this is a, this is a so no win situation. So the answer is yes. You here. just want to watch John Cena wrestle. No, damn it, damn it, Jeff. No, stop it. No, bad Jeff. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, like, I, I don't know a better way to answer that. The answer is no, Darian. That is a solid no. And the answer when it comes to wrestling will always be no. Just, just to make sure I'm not being vague at all. Well, you know what's going to be great, Mary, is uh, next time you're on the air, we're going to talk about Vince McMahon's new takeover of the WWE as well as Stephanie McMahon's exit from the company. Folks, if you want some good wrestling content, make sure you're subscribed to this channel. Thursday night, we'll get into that. And get ready, folks. The Royal Rumble's coming up. We're just a few short days away, which starts our road to WrestleMania. That means the WCBS meetup's getting close. Darian 217's got a ticket. Our friend Kara Campaign's got tickets. We're all going to WrestleMania. You can come hang out with us. And if you can't go to WrestleMania, come out to California and hang out. We'll have a nice fan meetup. We'll get together. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. We'll have a few laughs. You won't even get held hostage in a fucking Fox building. Don't worry. I can promise that one because we won't go in. What? It sounded so <laughs> enticing except for the whole wrestling part. Well, Mary, tis the season for wrestling. I'm good. <laughs> Darian two and seven is hurt that you will not show up at the meetup, uh, Mary. As nope. am I. Sorry, not today, Satan. Pick a better topic. <laughs> well, Mary, I would like to thank you for joining us. It's been an awesome informational segment. I actually do care more about Harry Potter, and I'm probably going to stream that game to monetize it. So, folks, if you want to see a non-Harry Potter fan run around and murder people on a dragon, I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna be. Oh, and folks, you can send in whatever messages and stuff you want on Twitch, and we'll do really evil stuff together. We will ruin this character's legacy. He will be the darkest oh of God. the dark characters. It'll, it'll, you know what? You'll just be playing as Buffalo Jeff. That's what it'll be. It'll be the Buffalo oh Jeff. My <laughs> what, oh my God. Oh my God. The Hogwarts legacy. This is yeah. really Buffalo Jeff. So are you going to read every piece of dialogue as Buffalo Jeff? Is that what you're going to no. do? No. Mm, this is I awful. think I can accommodate that. This is so awful. Mm. <laughs> what? Is... I, can, Why? I can see that happening. There's probably a market yeah. for that somewhere, somehow. There are crazy people out there. I'm well, we're going to cater to that market. Folks, thank you for supporting WCBS. <laughs> if, if I may just have one more uh, completely self-congratulatory plug. Uh, guys, if you're looking for uh, info on Harry Potter and, and, and like just generally speaking, some some nice, solid, well, well-rounded, like just chunks of info coming at you over the course of the next few weeks before we, we and like if 
if what we have been hearing lately is true, Harry Potter is going to become a very big topic of conversation. And there are probably going to be quite a few people out there who are all of a sudden are super big Harry Potter fans, but they won't be able to tell you anything about the lore. Um, if you're looking for some of that uh, information, um, come on over to my channel uh, sporadically over the course of the next few weeks. I'm going to be doing a, a show called Potter Watch, um, which is a play on a specific part of the books uh, where I'm just going to be talking about different aspects of the fandom and I'll be open to answering questions and just kind of giving you guys um, some of that awesome Harry Potter info and uh, we're going to be doing stream tomorrow night. Just bite me, Jeff. Just just bite me. I'll bite those delicious pancakes. Oh no. my god, those morsels, those buttery motherfuckers. Oh. <laughs> mm. Jesus, man. Uh, what is wrong with you? Oh, All the things are wrong with you. So yeah, if you want to come over to my channel, uh, check out the next episode. It's going to be all about Horcruxes. Um, so if you want to talk about some of that dark Harry Potter, some of those dark Harry Potter things, uh, I'll see y'all tomorrow night about eight o'clock. So yeah, we're going to people with a wand. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to come over and hang out and watch the content. And maybe if I have okay, Mary, if I have any questions, can I call you when I play this game? If I have any, like... Absolutely. Okay, cool. So you're my Harry Potter expert. Like, literally live, just call me. Seriously, I'll answer the phone. I'll walk you through it live. All right. <laughs> you're going to help Buffalo Jeff beat Hogwarts Legacy. Thank you. Guys. I will not <laughs> talk to you. <laughs> I will hang up the fucking phone. You got her ringed in. <laughs> yep, you committed, Mary. I'm a man of my word, and I know you're a woman of yours, so... Damn it. Damn it. This is going to be so fun, Mary. Oh, We're going to learn so much together about video I games. I hate you so much. <laughs> Would you like to play a little game? Things. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to play nothing. Bye, everybody. Have a great night. Bye. <laughs> Never seen oh, someone leave so fast. I know. I, Man. Never scared a woman off like that before. Shit, oh, that's not Jeff. entirely true. That's, well, we don't talk about that on air. <laughs> <laughs> So, folks, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us tonight. No, this show is not over. We're actually you know, not just getting started, but we're at a good place. So, Andrew, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to get the audience on board and involved with this show. So if you could pick a number between 1 and 69, and we will get this show rolling. Let's get them involved. Let's give them a 52. Number 52. Perfect. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Now, it never, never ceases to amaze me when I see that clip that that was a movie that got made. I was up at Dion at New Year's. We were celebrating, having a great time, and we introduced his nephew to the room. Oh, God, why? Well, we all watched it. He stayed up and was really into it. And I'm like, so what'd you think? He's like, that was terrible. And I go, that's the point. And he couldn't. He laughed. The thing is, he laughed at all the right parts. He understood all the jokes. So what I'm trying to tell you, folks, is the room can be comprehended by a ten-year-old. That's about the only age where you know it might well, be enjoyable. It kind of seems like it was written by one, and honestly, the the director might have been one too. Uh, yes, um, Tommy Wiseau is very many things, but uh, competent. Yeah, I, I like the room. That's the thing. Like, I know it's bad, but I genuinely enjoy it. If you were to put it on, I wouldn't roll my eyes and go, oh, God, the room. I'd go, all right, cool, let's watch the room. And I'd start laughing at all the parts that I find enjoyable, which is the whole movie. <laughs> it's kind. It's almost as if it was cognizantly the point. 
Well, if you look at it as a comedy, it's one of the best comedies ever because Tommy was so, man, he knew what he was doing. But I don't believe it's a comedy. I think he's just a shitty filmmaker <laughs> who got lucky. So speaking of people who are not shitty filmmakers, I just wanted to bring this up real quick. You know the actor who played Short Round, Jonathan Kihu Kwan, a.k.a. Data from the Goonies? Yes. He won a Golden Globe tonight. Did he really? Yeah, he hadn't done shit in like 30 years. He hasn't acted in a long time. I think the only two movies to his name are Indiana Jones and the Goonies, and then he did everything everywhere all at once and had this big career comeback. So being a, you know, a 90s kid watching all these movies growing up, it's cool to see short round make a comeback and actually get some acting ch uh, accolades i mean what he's gonna have more awards than most of the goonies at this point with just one i don't think Corey feldman's ever won one yeah no not that i'm aware of i, yeah, I guess there's maybe. something to be said for that i mean i don't i'm like most people in the world at this point where i don't give two shits about any of these award you know circle jerks that hollywood does or any any entertainment industry, really, whether it's the Game Awards, whether it's the, you know, whether it's freaking Hollywood, music, whatever it is, it's all one big circle jerk, you know, amongst inbred Holly weirdos. But um, I guess there's something to be said, though, for how impressive that is. You come back after 30 years and you win an award. OK, I mean, if he was deserving of it, then cool. All right. I, I'm just glad that. uh Put it like this, I don't give a shit about any award ceremony, but an actor that I like now has a chance to do something more. And so a couple sure. years back, I will see that I'm a sucker for a good comeback story. The best comeback story of all time is Robert Downey Jr. I mean, yes. that dude was down and out in a punchline, and now he's the biggest, the highest paid actor ever. Hopefully, ever. Brendan Fraser will be the next one. I think that's the next one right now. We're kind of, I know, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, but I think we're past the point of no return with his comeback, meaning. The fans have always been on board. He's back. He's got this Darren Aronofsky movie under his belt, The Whale. You're, I think you're a couple of years removed from him playing one of his iconic roles again. Something else happens, and then you're completely locked in. But at this point, there's just too much goodwill with Brendan Fraser. I think, or Fraser, I think his return is solid. And I'm happy. Again, it's a nice guy. Kind of got the short end of the stick. He did. He really did. Now. The audience, so they don't get the short end of the stick. So Georgian says, last video. Yes, Jeff, I remember the infinite Wolverines from Toy Biz back in the day, even if it didn't make a lick of sense-wise, line-wise, Jamaram. Now, I'm going to press you the Jamaram button, and then I wanted to talk about that real quick, because um, those Wolverine figures... Jamaram! ...were kind of important. But you know, it's funny, uh, so Georgian, is I was actually talking about like the, the new Wolverine figures that I've bought over the last couple of years... <laughs> <laughs> not even the mountains of the like as a kid i didn't own it i owned one wolverine figure i had the brown suited one but as an adult every wolverine figure i named in that video i own and i bought like in the last three years <laughs> like i didn't even mention here i'll just i'll turn on the camera right now so i don't have to bullshit you guys you know it's not world, you know it's world class but look we got fucking tiger stripe wolverine from the animated series line just chilling on my desk when i work that's like that's a pretty great looking wolverine figure I got Cyclops to go with him, too. I'm a sucker nice. for the Jim Lee Cyclops. I'm working on something. I don't know how much I want to commit to it, but I want to build a Marvel versus Capcom action figure shelf. And um, oh. I think it would be pretty epic to look One at. One or two? Two. Uh, 
gonna take you for a ride dude that number two is my dude the song just started bumping in my head the <laughs> second you said those words oh my god dude it's such a great game that i was so sad when uh, my xbox was stolen for many reasons but i had marvel versus capcom 2 downloaded to it and you couldn't get it anymore on the xbox arcade and so the fact that i could never replay that and i haven't played it since outside of an arcade that makes me kind of sad was such a good game that's no. a phenomenal fighter. Oh, dude. They don't make them like they used to. Which no. is sad. No, they but, don't. Uh, I like that we're at a place where you can just play the old fighters, or the old games in general. They're kind of... We're at a point in game preservation, which makes me feel pretty good. Because you can emulate and hack half the shit to death and still play your favorite games. I mean, wasn't it a meme that they were running Doom on, like... A pregnancy test and all these other jokey places like you can run doom on everything these days dude so. there's people are creative i'll i'll say that much i forget what game it was but it was a game at the time at least that wasn't particularly old and some crazy some bitch had it running on a i shit you not like a samsung or lg smart refrigerator and i'm like what in the actual blue fuck how did you do that why did you do that <laughs> well i saw that and i want to own a smart refrigerator for the sole purpose to play video games on it now coders hackers whatever you want to call yourselves if you're out there and you can make goldeneye run on any device give me a call i would like to run goldeneye on my watch i'd like to run goldeneye on my phone on my car everything you can have goldeneye run on a, a smart security system that's my game i want that shit to run on everything i'll never stop playing it so finally checking in with the audience oh sorry so georgian thank you very much for that message and we gave you your jam ram shrebels 08 says the word of the day is queef. Star Wars, the last queef. Oh. How Stella got her queef back. Oh, no. <laughs> and a fistful of queef. <laughs> so, queef folks. Busters. Queef Busters. That is the that is the adult title that is the sequel to Woke Busters. That when we are... Harry met queef. That means so many things, dude. I'm not, I'm not even going to get my channel flagged for all the jokes I want to fucking make right now. <laughs> Got him. There it is. There Let's move on. <laughs> Folks, the word of the day is queef. Shrevels08, thank you very much. He has another message as well. He says, I'll take a Terminator motorcycle and a Joe Rogan high as fuck, please. Of course. Uh, asking you shall receive on this channel. It's been a minute since we've seen the high Joe Rogan, but folks... Here he comes. Imagine if you gave a white supremacist five MEO DMT, and then as the first one, as they're exhaling. Yeah. 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 What a rush! I wonder what Joe Rogan would say about that button, folks. Uh, if you um, want. It depends I will on if he was high or not, I think. Well, I'm going to upload the button, and we can just tweet it forever and see if he'll respond. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like, once a week, retweet it. Or, quote, yeah. retweet it, tagging him again. He'll, like, he'll go on a show. Why the fuck do these guys keep tagging me in this stupid video of me in my bathtub? <laughs> oh, Joe, it's a video of you in your bathtub. <laughs> Why wouldn't we make fun of it? 
you don't understand, bro. Joe, I understand. I didn't need to try DMT. I've seen the moose get hit by a car. I get everything. Now, Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> also, uh, this was requested, and uh, thank you to Ninja Lawyer Steve for making it for us. Got him. Got him. He won't be back. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I will not. Uh, Gear Stark says, random new button, please, and thank you. All right, Gear Stark. Well, let's get you another random-ass button uh, pulled up. And, uh, you know, folks, just to give you guys a reminder, I am working behind the scenes on the Exploding Motorcycle Guy t-shirt. It's not going to be ready for this Thursday show. I wanted it to be. But I also want to do it properly. That's amazing. Go off, get it colored, uh, make sure the perspective on the road's right, actually look at what the uh, guy looks like as he explodes. Like, yeah, I'm going to pay close attention, folks, because uh, you guys want this, and I'm going to do it the right way. The wild, wild queef. <laughs> Dude, <that's, laughs> that would be a great Jada Pinkett movie. Uh... All right. Um, be a violent one. Oh, well, speaking of violent, here's a weird button that we had sent in from our friend Ninja Lawyer Steve. This is a new one as well. It's all true. The boogeyman is real. And you... He's ah! Boogeyman! You nailed the window shut! I'll get the gun! <laughs> I chingada. Oh, fuck, I love the, the Simpsons. Uh, Enrique Vasquez, what is up, my friend? He says, hail, high council, minions, motorcycle, please. Minions motorcycle. <laughs> I love that one. Wait, how did I, how do I not know my own button minions motor? Oh, wait, that's the one somebody else made. Shit, where do I, where do I have that one? That was one, wasn't that one that was like emailed to you or something? Oh, God. Um, This might be it right here. I think I found it. Yep. All right. It's the crazy frog. Okay, got it, man. People love this fucking motorcyclist. We're just going to do... I'm going to do a show called Motorcycle Talk, where I'm going to talk about anything I want, and it's just <laughs> going to be a two-hour loop of this guy fucking eating it. <laughs> Goodbye. I fucking can't. Ninja Lawyer Steve, thank you very much for all of these, my friend. Uh, Gear Stark, thank you very much. Um, I will send Fifty Shades of Gilbert Godfrey to Mary. We'll make sure that she has to hear it. Don't worry. Um, Buffalo Jeff promises. Now we read Shrubbles 08. Thank you very much. Sejorjan says, speaking of Harry Potter, have you heard of Limited Run Games firing an employee for praising the new Harry Potter game? Aside from other wrong think and following the wrong people by disgraced brony. That's a now, great segue. We'll use this as a segue. Now, John Thomas, we're going to, after we talk about this segment, I'm going to read your three messages because he sent three that were very topical to the conversation and kind of can spawn its own thing. But let's talk about this uh, limited run games situation. Now, I am a limited run games supporter. I don't know this full story. I've just learned this story today. But historically, 
I have purchased games from them. I like what they offer as a business. Right. They make physical media for games that otherwise wouldn't have that. And it's and it's so nice to get like a brand new Nintendo cartridge in the year 2023. It's like, oh shit, this is what it felt like in 1998. It was exciting. And I picked up Jan Silent Bob. Um, it's like an arcade mall brawler and it comes in an NES style package and it came with a, like an old NES sleeve. So I was on board with the, what they offer as a business. But upon hearing this information, I was a little disappointed. So Andrew, would you mind giving the audience that doesn't know uh, what went down just a little more context, please? So yeah, um, this ties into not only this last topic that we had, at least a little bit, but also on, on something potentially a little bit deeper. Now, the community manager for Limited Run Games uh, wound up, yeah, I forget if it, if it was on Twitter or on a, a gaming website or like a, you know, a kind of chat forum type website, uh, asking people if they were looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy. And she was saying that she was looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy. You know, this is a game that she's looking forward to as clearly a lot of people are as again number one game on amazon number one game on playstation number one game on steam the 300 dollars collector's edition sold out in minutes on every single platform on every single retailer people want this freaking game fans or people that are just looking at it as a game right well as we have been going over for the last hour or so there are a lot of people that are really unhinged, psychotically so, over anything that's attached to J.K. Rowling. And so one individual in particular started digging into this person's Twitter, into the community manager for Limited Run Games' Twitter, and found out that she had committed the cardinal sin of following non-leftist accounts. And this isn't a political stream, but we we all know how these companies operate these days in that you can be outspoken if you are a leftist about your ideas, but you can't do the same if you are anything else. And so she followed people like Gina Carano. She followed Libs of TikTok. She followed, uh, I think she followed Ben Shapiro and several others. And so she was guilty of wrong thing, right? And then this other, this individual was so psychotic that she went back six years through this person's Twitter history to a tweet from 2016 that said something that they would be able to frame, and I say frame in the, in air quotes because this is what these people do with literally everything when they're trying to make racism or sexism or you know any, whatever phobia, um, assertions that they want about people that they disagree with, they could frame it as something that was transphobic, which it wasn't, but that's what this individual did. And so they then went on a hate campaign and a smear campaign against the community manager for Limited Run Games and started rallying people against the company, shouting at the company, tagging the company, emailing the company, all of these things to get this person fired for merely following accounts that they happen to disagree with ideologically. And it's, it wound up happening. They actually fired her. 
However, that's actually not even the worst part, believe it or not. Yes, that's bad. That's <laughs> horrible. It absolutely is horrible. But the hypocrisy that followed, I find to be demonstrably worse. Um, I'm going to find the tweet here in two seconds. Limited run games to, while I'm looking for it. They put out a tweet saying something to the effect of, it'll probably be easier if I just find it in my own damn Twitter feed, um, something to the effect of, you know, we respect all personal opinions, blah, 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 typical corporate BS. Um, okay, here it goes. I, I can actually read it verbatim now because I have it in front of me. Limited Run Games respects all personal opinions. However, we remain committed, noting that that's a lie, um, however, we remain committed to supporting an inclusive culture. Upon investigating a situation, an employee was terminated. Our goal as a company is to continue to foster a positive and safe environment for everyone. So, respects all personal opinions, fired staff for having a different personal opinion. And then to take it even further, as if that wasn't hypocritical enough, they then, from getting dragged the ratio was through the stratosphere on this tweet of theirs like they got obliterated they got dragged so hard in the replies they shut off replies on not only that tweet which was claiming to respect all personal opinions but also on every subsequent tweet so now only approved people can reply to them Man, I don't like how that company operates right now. No, I don't either. And while I have never personally purchased anything from them, I've always liked the service that they offer because I think that physical media is important and they were offering physical media for games that otherwise would not have gotten it or like only had a very small run of it, right? And that that's actually, there's value there. There's actual value there. That is something. There's They weren't like a gangbusters um, lucrative business, but they did well enough because there was actually a market for what they did. However, this one act has shown how quickly that can change because now they have been bleeding subs. They've been bleeding followers. They've been bleeding, as I understand, pre-orders as well. Oh, shit. Yeah. A lot of people have been canceling pre-orders for shit that they had ordered from them. Well, you get what you fucking deserve. Hold on a second. Where's the button? Which one should I press? I guess we should do them all, since it looks like they're going to get what they fucking deserve. So, here's one. Get what you fucking deserve! Uh, Oh, my gosh! <laughs> That's my favorite. Mine too. But I do enjoy this one. How about another joke, Moran? What do you get? I don't think so. When you cross I think a mentally ill loner with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash, I'll tell you what you get. The police. You get what you fucking deserve. Good night. The Wilhelm scream is a great touch. Thank you. I have fun using that. Um, 
The sound effect is created by Chev Woolley. For those who don't know, that is your trivia question for tonight. I will be asking at the end of the show, and whoever gets an A on the test passes and can come back next week. Ah, well, there you go. All passed. You guys will definitely want to be back next week. Yeah. And as well as Thursday. Now, I'm just happy <laughs> that people are voting with their wallets, reacting this way, and hopefully... Now, hold on, let me say it like this. This company ain't big enough that they can handle and weather a lot of this shit, so I wish them the best, but I hope they don't become a cautionary tale. That's what happens with a lot of these places, ideology over rationality, shall we say. It's like we've proven with the Harry Potter stuff, with uh, J.K. Rowling. The people on the internet, and I'm just going to say it like this, you people on the internet, you weirdos that are obsessed with this shit, that want to call her all these names. Look, I'm not here to defend this lady. I don't have a love for Harry Potter outside of, eh, the butterbeer's delicious, or, oh, the movie was fine. But you fucking people have proven that these are not real things. You guys love to come up and complain about real things and make these things um, fake. So when a company wants to back these things and go further and, look, you can't, get away with this crap at the real scale people respond no. like michael jordan said republicans buy nikes too and so maybe companies should just respect everybody not worry about their politics and just be thankful that you have an audience a consumer base a customer that, that is a incredibly important point that does not get hammered on enough none of these companies none of these mega corporations that hold these ips and again, guys that are that are new in the chat, I apologize for my voice. I'm on the tail end of a cold, so it doesn't have its normal charm. That being said, none of these companies that hold these IPs, whether it's Marvel, DC, Star Wars, <laughs> Lord of the Rings now too, fuck, um, any of these, they did not get these properties to the success levels that they have enjoyed by way of catering to one audience, one political aisle. That's impossible. And it, that is mathematically impossible based on the success that these have had. It is impossible for them to have been that successful only by catering to leftists, only by catering to weird fringe weirdo groups on Twitter and Reddit and Tumblr and shit like that. However, they've somehow gotten it into their head that they can, without consequence, shift all of their attention, shift all of the goodwill, and shift any give-a-damn solely to those groups. And this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a great little comparison here and a contrast. I'm glad that we followed up the last topic with this one. You can see the converse reactions here you see with limited run games they decided to cave to a woke mob and they are bleeding money now as a result just because of a few screaming rejects on twitter on the other side you see hogwarts legacy a company that is making a product for fans it knows what its audience is, and it is not caving to screaming idiots on Twitter. They're not saying, don't buy our game because you'd be supporting transphobia or anti-Semitism because reasons. 
in you see the success that this game is having. And that's not even counting day one sales. There are a lot of people that don't pre-order shit anymore. And for pretty justifiable reasons. But the pre-order sales for this game are through the stratosphere. And so I imagine that there's going to be significantly more sales that first week. And provided that this game doesn't release in some unfinished, buggy state, it's going to be an immense success this year. And that is the tale of two cities right there. That is that is a that is one city that built their shit on a foundation of sand. And you are seeing it crumble. And you will see it crumble more because the pendulum will swing back. And you are seeing this other city built their foundation on something that's sturdy, bedrock something that is supported by paying customers, people with capital, people that don't resort every single month, whether it's close to rent or not, to eating their cat's food because they can actually afford real human food and they don't have to worry about that shit. And I'm not even talking about friskies, so not even the nice shit either. Just like that crappy, you know, discount Walmart brand, whatever it is, great value. I forget what the hell they call they call it. I don't have to worry about that. I don't buy that brand. But you see what I'm saying here? I do. The the this adherence to uh, this is a word that I invented today. Ideologuery um is killing businesses slowly. It's been slowly. I think we're going to start to see it ramp up. I agree. People because are we're seeing it shit. happen more and more. It's ramping up more and more in the comic book industry because left and right, we're seeing smaller publishers go under. We're going to start seeing it happen in other areas of entertainment. And there's going to be a shift at some point. It's inevitable, whether it's these people that are the, the larger mega corporations actually screw their heads on straight they're like ah okay we need to pivot so we're gonna clean house we're firing all of you that resulted in us being in the red and no longer in the black and we're gonna start from scratch then we'll start getting good content again or they'll be like you know what we're gonna sell it off to somebody who gives a damn it could be their problem it's not my problem anymore and the only people they're gonna want to buy that shit are people who actually want to fix it because they actually care about these properties. There will be a renaissance coming. There will be. And it's important that we continue to support independent quality alternatives, not just until then, but beyond then. Because what that does is that keeps the mainstream honest. That keeps them on their toes. Competition is good for everyone, especially the consumer. It is. It makes us happy. I mean, in the wrestling world, when the WCW died, that's when pro wrestling died because the WWF got lazy and complacent. And now with AEW, there's at least some kind of competition. But yeah, competition keeps it makes everything better because complacency is the enemy of progress and entertainment. Uh, people get lazy. Companies get lazy. We don't have to do anymore. Yeah, you do. You really do. We're tired of your shit. <laughs> Yeah, people, you'll, you'll have those people that will just try and stick their heads in the sand for as long as possible and then just ignore and consume, right? P 
people that'll try and justify the sequel trilogy, people that'll try and justify phase four of the MCU. Like, you're all going to have to wake up eventually. You're all going to have to wake up and smell the roses. This, this was a, a point that I brought up to WDW Pro when we were chatting offline the other day. And it was that it, this is really something that doesn't actually get brought up, I think. Um, and it's that a lot of these uh, IPs in, I guess we could call pop culture, have enjoyed the, the normies' attention. Geek has been for a decade plus now chic. Right. It's been it's no longer been geekdom. It's just been pop culture. It's been the popular thing. And these companies have been chasing the idea of it remaining pop culture. Well, the thing that they're not taking into account is that normies, anybody that's not actually legitimately invested in this stuff at the deepest level, um, they've got short attention spans. And even if that short attention span only amounts to a decade, you know, or even a decade and a half, eventually they're going to move on to the next thing. Eventually they're going to be like, okay, well, that was fun, whatever. Now I'm, I'll probably watch, you know, the first Avengers at home on TV with my kids or with my friends once a year. But otherwise I don't, you know, whatever. Now I'm, now I'm moving on to this next thing, Right. They're moving just from whatever the popular thing is or was to whatever the next popular thing is, because that's what they care about. They just want to be included. They just want to be a part of the conversation. They just want to feel like they're enjoying the thing that everybody else in the world is enjoying for a limited time. However, what you do when you focus strictly on them, because there's nothing wrong with wanting to grow your customer base. That's good business. There's nothing wrong with that. However, if you are focusing solely on that normie uh, ADHD short attention span audience and ignoring or flat out insulting your actual dedicated audience that's guaranteed money, people who will buy the merch regardless of whether or not there's been a new movie or TV series for a decade plus, Looking at you all, Star Wars fans. Mm. You know, buying the books, buying the comics, buying the toys. Not even aware that they were working on a prequel trilogy, right? Or even post the prequels, you know, which that would be the generation that I would be a part of. You know, I was still buying all that stuff. No idea that they were planning on doing a shitty sequel fan fiction, um, you know, later on down the road. When you shun them and insult them and you focus solely on a temporary audience, you're losing twice. Because that temporary normie audience, they're eventually going to walk and bounce because they're just, they're no longer interested. They're moved on to the next, whatever the popular thing is. And you also lost your normally guaranteed audience because you insulted them. And they're not there to help you pick up the pieces. It's, it's just another company that you're going to watch fall for the dumbest reasons. Um, Goodbye. I mean, I'm, I'm clearly upset. You can hear it in my voice, can't you? I can. So, so saddened by the loss of limited run games in the future. Uh, shout out to Yakuse for all your great Queef titles. Thank you, folks, for <laughs> in the chat tonight. Uh, 
just been having fun uh, reading all these. Um, let's check back in with our audience before we get into some of our other topics, including Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and all the other fun cape shit that we'll probably get into this week. So, uh, I get to pick a number this time, since uh, Mary didn't say one before she left. I would to go with one of my favorites. Did you see that guy accidentally hit that moose with his car? No. Holy shit. Jamie, pull that video up. That is definitively one of the most disgusting scenes in all of movies. <laughs> yep. I saw that in theaters as a kid, and I couldn't stop laughing. And my mom's like, I don't think you can pick another movie for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're no longer in charge of picking the movie night. It's <laughs> like, come on, Mom. It's Jim Carrey. It's Ace Ventura. Like, real talk, that was always my least favorite of his established characters. Not because of I hated the movie or anybody changed my opinion. I just thought Dumb and Dumber and The Mask were better. The Mask is my favorite. The That's Mask is absolutely movie. my favorite. Also, um, young Andrew, before he even knew he liked girls, liked Cameron Diaz. She has never looked better than she does in that movie. Nope. Tina was hot. Have you ever read any of The Mask comic books? You know what? I actually read one. I don't remember what exactly it was. It, this was back in like either the late 90s or early 2000s when I did. This this was forever ago. It wasn't even something that I bought. It was just something that I picked up and like flipped through because I was waiting, I think, for my mom in the grocery store. And I had a habit of like sitting my butt down in the uh, back when grocery stores used to have a freaking aisle. They had the magazines and they'd have comic books there as well. Um, so before I would actually grab the Sonic the Hedgehog comic book that I was going to be taking home, you know, I'd sometimes flip through the other shit that was there. And one time I flipped through a mask one. You do you remember the I... animated series? Oh, I do. <laughs> I watched the mask animated series and I watched the Ace Ventura animated series. Gosh, there was are... a dumb. And that was dumb Jim Carrey's heyday. Dude, Jim Carrey was the fucking king of the nineties. He really was. Um, at my local Kroger, and this is the last time I'll bring this up for now, is I uh, would take my magazines from the aisle, and then I would go sit in the pharmacy because they would have three seats where you could wait for the your prescription, and they also had the uh, blood pressure cuff. So if people were sitting in the chair, I would just sit at the blood pressure machine and read comic books and magazines. Nice. <laughs> my mom could shop for like because my mom was the coupon queen. She'd be like, uh -huh. "Honey, it's super double coupons, which means I'm gonna save a bunch of money and get a bunch of food, but it's gonna take a lot of time." So I'd be like, "All right, mom, I'm gonna go sit and read." And she would shop for three hours. Oh, I would God. go shit. I would read every wrestling magazines comic books i would even read shonen jump and read all these manga that i'd never read again but i was like all right cool shonen jump i'll read comic books like i love that shit in stores and i'm glad that your local my at least my local store still has a magazine section i don't want i don't want the printed word to go away it's important it's incredibly important now uh, speaking of important, John Thomas sends in some important messages. John, thank you very much for waiting. He says, I love Tolkien, but the closest I came to this level of submersion in the are Honor Harrington's and the Wheel of Time. The destruction of Wheel of Time by Amazon and its defense by major fan sites like Dragon Mount hurts. 30 years I've been reading. I got bounced from Dragon Mount, calling the show garbage. 
These people can't debate me on the character deconstruction or destruction because I know these books. I reread the series when a new book was coming out. Uh, Robert Jordan spent his life force on Wheel of Time. He could probably live longer by walking away from it. As a creator, Jeff, I know you understand how it drains your energy, even though you love it. And Amazon destroyed that. So, yeah, we get gaslit about that shit all the time by yeah. the the access media, the mainstream media. Um, sometimes, you know, by the freaking production uh, studios themselves and directors and writers and all that all the time. When we as fans who know this material call out the blatant disregard for what the actual either message of the material is, how the characters actually look or act, any number of things that we could pick apart because we actually know what we're talking about. I won't pretend to know Wheel of Time from Adam. I've heard plenty of good things about the series. I think my dad read one of the books recently and he said it was really good and he watched like a couple episodes of the Amazon series and said that was really bad. Um, my dad generally has pretty consistently solid takes on things and he's he doesn't like he's completely unaware of all the the you know the culture war stuff of it he just uh -huh. will will take it for what it is he's like yeah that was kind of crappy and like not even aware of like all the other underlying things and that's that's actually an important thing to be able to do and to remember that sometimes it's not even a matter of wokeness it's a matter of just quality you can you can disrespect source material and you can disrespect characters and story without it necessarily being in a woke manner you just still did the character or the story dirty you still did a shit show job you know and I, i've always been able to appreciate that about my dad because he's never afraid to call it like it is like yeah that was that was bad i don't like that at all yeah i don't see the value in people defending uh entertainment unless you're like tangentially related to it like yeah i saw harrison ford call shia labeouf a fucking idiot and i'm like yeah he is but he called him an idiot because he disparaged indiana jones 4 and said you're not supposed to talk about a franchise or a brand like that because it could hurt the audience interest and i go i understand his perspective and respect it but i also think harrison ford should go fuck himself because bad movies are bad movies and it's nobody's obligation to make yeah. sure that people pay to see garbage like it's years removed. And if Shia LaBeouf says the movie's shit, which I thought it was shit from when it came out, yeah. it's fucking shit. It's been shit. Like, Harrison Ford's the last member of a sinking ship. And like I said, I respect the dude to death. But damn it. Like, don't make excuses for bad shit. Just yeah. move on. Don't even acknowledge it. Treat treat your bad movies like you treat Star Wars fans. Yeah. If, if you us. love, if you actually love the character of Indiana Jones like you claim to, Ford recognize that that movie was shit you don't need to go on a press release about it but just recognize and understand anybody who's a fan of the franchise and i i consider myself a kind of on the normie level i've seen i've seen the the three movies and that spin-off crystal skull um and i love two out of the three movies and the other one i'm like okay so it's a thing um so I would never consider myself a super fan, but I enjoy them. And I could actually watch um, Last Crusade probably on repeat. It's a great movie, man. It's uh... If for nothing else, the, the back and forth between him and Sean Connery. I was going to say the best father-son relationship ever put on film. It is so perfect. Sorry, Luke and Darth Vader. Like, Vader, you cut your kid's hand off. 
I was going to say, like, yeah, that, that's a really low bar. <laughs> no, Genocidal maniac, you know, disarmed his son. Destroyed a galaxy, killed his wife, killed his boss, killed himself. Yeah! Yeah. Anakin, killing younglings was the least of your problems. Yeah. Not not yeah. getting any Father of the Year awards there. Oh, no. Now, to John Thomas's point, though, about me being a creator and understanding how it drains, I do, I sympathize with a lot of these people. I, you know, I do my own stuff. Speaking of Harrison Ford, we did Stealing Solo. Wokebusters is in, is in production right now. Uh, folks, I'll be shipping out tits and art starting tomorrow. Um, just making that. Follow Twitter. Everything's on there. But I can't imagine having something that I've worked on. We'll just use Wokebusters because it's in production. I can't imagine having my jokes or my visual gags because I treat them differently the way I create. I couldn't imagine like somebody coming in and buying up my work and going, ah, the bank joke doesn't work or ah, the white jokes don't. It's like, what? Like, that's part of the property. How do you take that away? I just couldn't imagine like, I get it. Getting a huge royalty check can make anything go away. But sure. in the back of your mind, you gotta be like, fuck, man, like that's the whole point of the story and you pissed it away. Like that that quick money can be incredibly enticing, especially for younger um or you know, new creators. And that's that's always a danger. And that's and sometimes you, it's very blatantly the point. You see a lot of like indie comic books and things like that that like they they look and read like this is just a Netflix series pitch, like, and not even a very good one. Like, you're not even, you don't actually give a crap about this medium. You don't give a crap about the storytelling or the art or any of this. And it it's funny what, what you bring up there about if, you know, somebody took your your story, Wokebusters or Stealing Solo, and just, like, completely changing the point of a scene or maybe even the whole story or character arc or whatnot. And there's two parts to that. It's the most important of which, though, is that it's disrespect. If you are a true creator, that's a disrespect and disservice to your fans because your fans support you for the product that you made, for the product that you presented and gave to them. So if you are then selling off that product to somebody who changes it completely and you're co-signing that, you're telling your audience, oh, fuck you guys, I don't really care. That all of these stories that you grew up with that mattered to you, that you found, you know, a, a deep attachment to, maybe even a deeper meaning in in some people's cases. That sounds, you know, a little overly dramatic to some, but I don't think anybody or few people in the chat are probably willing to lie and say that, you know, superheroes growing up for them didn't you know, provide some level of inspiration, whether it was through good times or hard times, you know? So you're disrespecting your audience by telling them that the thing that they love actually didn't matter. You know, one point I do want to just add to is when you earlier in your statement, when you said about uh, a lot of these indie books that read like a Netflix pitch, I'd like to blame one Mark Millar because he created that studio about 15 years ago where all they would do is create comic books that were going to be pitched into movies. And sometimes you would get stuff that worked, but then you got quite a few that were supposed to be pitched into movies. He worked with one uh, on one with Steve McNiven. It was like a white costumed hero with like two pistols and like 
all these are going to come out and I've never seen that movie. And I think he started that trend of like creating comics as pitches. And I get it from a business standpoint and I get it if you're like a guy like me or a guy like an Ethan or somebody that like writes and draws and then you're trying to do something even bigger and see your thing. But like, I don't like when another party like, or just a writer creates a book as only a pitch because I'll say something controversial. I think your comic book writers are very important, but like Greg Capullo said, without the artist, you just have a book. So let's remember what the medium we're adapting exactly. is and the importance of it. Because if you just get any jabroni to draw your book, all right, you're going to get a competent book, maybe, if you're lucky. But if you're somebody that really respects the medium, you're really going to be able to expand upon it and go deeper. For example, if you're a fan of vintage Marvel Comics lettering, you'll probably like Wokebusters. I threw in a little fucking... Uh, I, just little things like that, little sprinklings, little fun things. Uh, if you like classic Marvel books too, like pulled something from that. I was like, this is a fun throwback. But again, if I was just making something to pitch you, to pitch to Netflix to get something made, I wouldn't do that. It would be people standing in room, explosion, gunfight, angles, cool, whatever. It wouldn't be any love. And that's where the medium dies. And that's where all this stuff dies. And, and, and again, I'm a guy that likes money and i'm a guy that likes to see the the business of it i fucking love merchandise yeah i document its decline but what do i have on my desk action figures legos uh pencils because i'm drawing but like i like this shit i'm not one of these jaded guys on the internet that is gonna lie to you and say fuck everybody fuck everything it's terrible this that and the other i like what i like and i'll be honest at all times and here is a balance like we talked about harry potter i i don't dislike jk wrong at all i respect her hustle 50 to 100 million dollars a year every year annually because something you created in 1997 that's awesome i think that is the aspiration for a lot of creators and if they tell you that's not they're full of shit or they don't believe in themselves but you I have to work that. to get to there that woman lived out of her car for years while she wrote book after book that would just be continually declined by various publishers over in england and until scholastic. she finally hit it and that to me that's a good inspirational story because it's a story of somebody that just kept at it until it worked and then they cashed in that's rags to riches you're living in your car that's man that's rough that sucks because what are you going to do in the winter you're going to have the heater on full blast all night and it's england it rains there a lot it gets you know? cold there and it rains a lot absolutely but you know uh john thomas uh I just, I always like to talk about that, honestly, the dichotomy of a creator, like, yes, you want to create and tell your story and sell and, you know, share it with the world. And then you got to eat and you got to live and you want to be rewarded for all your hard work because sitting in front of a computer or sitting in front of an artboard or this or that, it's great. It's fulfilling, but it is nice to be able to say, Hey, this cheeseburger was purchased from a drawing I did, or it's nice that this home was paid for by my book or this or that. Like there's something to be said in this from those creators too. And there, there is a line that I think Hollywood wants blurry because they, they only want it. They only want their stuff to be able to be lauded and praised and okay to talk about from a financial standpoint. Well, that's two to... things. That's, that's the, the, the perceived legitimacy of the mainstream. So the perceived legitimacy of what they can control, what they currently own and run. And, you know, they control the narrative around, they get to say who is or isn't a part of these projects. 
that's the only thing that's allowed to be successful. That's the only thing they want you to want. And then the other part of that that you actually touched on is this false dichotomy of you have to either have a passion for an art form or you have a passion for earning money. You can't do both, which is bullshit. You absolutely can do both. You just have to either have the passion and business know-how yourself or either the passion or business know-how yourself and then surround yourself with people of the other. So you can be an incredibly talented writer or artist, but not know, you know, finances worth a damn. Okay, so then you find some friends or some, you know, colleagues or whatever that are well-versed on the business side. You partner up or vice versa. Maybe maybe you, you are well-versed in business and you've got some incredibly artistic, legitimately talented friends or acquaintances. You partner up. Hey, I think we could actually do something with this. I think you actually have something here. There's, there's no rule, written or unwritten, that says you cannot profit off of your legitimate passion. No such thing. You can do both. However, there are plenty of people in the mainstream and those who support the mainstream, and even those, those that are part of the indies as well, the indie circuit, that will tell you otherwise. And it's because they're spiteful and unsuccessful themselves. They're not capable of doing any of that because they either lack the actual creative talent or they lack the business know-how and they're too stupid and financially illiterate to be able to sort out how to actually profit off of their passion. Bingo. Uh, John, thank you very much for all those messages. Folks, uh, we love to be able to have long conversations about this stuff. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, up next, we have a message from our friend TLJ Screwjob, who says, Don't remember the plot to the book since it's been over a decade since reading, talking about Harry Potter, but that's what makes it awesome reading them, is re-feeling the stuff. I wonder how I would enjoy reading it for the first time. Well, let me let me put it this way, and I won't. We we had our nice long Harry Potter um, themed topics, but and this this I'll I'll speak to you and the audience with this. I'll give you a brief overview of my history with the franchise. I didn't actually grow up with Harry Potter. A lot of my friends, uh, school acquaintances, and school friends were all about it. They were all into it. Me, I was cool with my superheroes and my Star Wars and my manga. You know, that's that's where my focus was at that time. I just never got into it. I didn't have a hatred for it. I was just kind of indifferent, right? I never quite understood the appeal. But to be fair, I had never actually made an attempt. However, when I was away at college, this was when I was in my early 20s, I was in my dorm by myself because um, it was you know, a, a minor holiday. I think it was like Halloween weekend or something like that. And so my roommates that were shitheads anyway, they had gone to their families. Um, my girlfriend at the time was with her family. And so I was just sitting there I'm like, okay, well, I've been playing my DS like most of the day. I'm gonna sit that bitch down. Um, what the hell's on the TV? And it turns out that I think it was ABC was doing a marathon of all of the, almost all of the Harry Potter films that had been released up to that time which I think was 
up until Half Blood Prince, if I remember correctly. And so I said, "All right, cool. I'll I'll try one. Right? Why why the heck not? I'll order myself a sandwich. I'll grab myself a drink, and I'll sit down and finally give this thing the once over because I've never actually done it before. And I sat." And I got hooked, at least at the movie level. Now that that could be that could make me a normal, right? You enjoy the movies; they're fun, fun for what they are, perfectly fine, right? I get back home to California because that's where I actually lived at the time, and I watch the Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows Part Two with my my bestie at the time, and then that following the summer, we go and see Deathly Hallows Part Two in theaters. That was when I was in my early twenties, and it's been well. It's been about a decade since then. And I've always rewatched the movies annually, sometimes twice or more annually since then. However, I never actually dove deeper into it until maybe a year or so ago where I decided, you know what? I know that, you know, Mary and a couple of my other friends really love this franchise on a, on a level that is far more than just my legitimate love for the movies. Cause the movies are fun. Um, and so I dove in more. I dove into Rowling's lore. Actually, a lot of the, the deeper minutia that even a lot of people that have just read the books and are major book fans don't even know. And I dove into that and I was like, there's actually a lot here. There's a lot to sink my teeth into. And that's the type of fan that I am when it comes to anything that I get into. I like to dive into a lot of the obscure stuff. So when it comes to Star Wars, I dive into a lot of the Old Republic and even further back beyond that. You know, with Marvel, they're very specific and DC, very specific corners of that universe, those universes that I like to dive into. Harry Potter wound up being the same way. And I loved that there was something that meaty and deep for me to sink my teeth into. And now um, over the last couple of months, I've finally been going through the books. And like Mary was saying, there's actually so much world building. And even beyond that, though, character to this world, not just the characters themselves, but the world itself has character. And that speaks to a level of effort that you don't see put forth these days. We mentioned earlier, what was the last legitimately new IP that was just, it took the world by storm. In Game of Thrones, you know, a, a song of, was a song of ice and fire is a big deal, but it's, it's not Harry Potter. You know, it still doesn't generate, a, it generates a fraction of the money that Harry Potter does and a fraction of the interest. Because it, it also, to be fair, is geared toward a very specific audience. It's a very mature story. However, there's a lot to Rowling's world. And as, I'm, as I was going through the books, and I'm in the later books now, I'm in the second to last. Um, as I was going through the books, I realized that's what the catch was for all of my friends growing up. These characters and these stories grew with these people, grew with these fans. Like Rowling was actually incredibly brilliant about not writing down to her audience like they were stupid, but you can see book to book very deliberate strokes of increasing the maturity and increasing the, the depth, increasing the themes, and you're like, wow, that's actually quite brilliant. And while I would still hold, at the end of the day, Tolkien as a superior author overall, because 
nobody's like Tolkien. And to be fair, Tolkien is what inspired me to have such a deep love of storytelling. Um, Rowling is like somebody that I would put just beneath Tolkien. Like there's no, I know that people are, are fans of, you know, Sanderson and all these other great authors, you know, uh, George R.R. R. Martin, things like that. But of all the media that I've consumed, which is quite substantial, there is just so much put into that world, into the storytelling. And so I'd, I'd invite anybody, you know, even if you don't become a, a mega fan, at the very least, if you're somebody that just can appreciate good storytelling, there's something there. It's hard is a, just for somebody like me to go, there are much bigger things than what she created. Like, personal opinions aside, you just got to look at the, the breadth of it all. Harry Potter's everywhere. Everywhere. Fucking everywhere, dude. I it's can, huge I can you, in every country. I could across say every spell Giannis before I ever saw one of those fucking movies. So. Jesus, see, there you go. I, I learned it from Doctor Who, because there's an episode where they go back in time to William Shakespeare's uh, Globe Theater, and they're doing some kind of thing, and they're like, something, something, Expelliarmus, and Doctor Who's like, good old JK, and I'm like, I understood that, and that's about as far as I went with uh, Harry Potter in the beginning. But uh, we have an, our friend TLJ Screwjob says, I'm rereading all of Harry Potter on page 668 of Phoenix. Yeah, I, uh, I just wrapped up Order of the Phoenix uh, two nights ago, I think. The last couple of days, I've been kind of sick as a dog. I feel I'm like 90, aside from my voice, I'm like 93% better right now. Um, but aside from my, you know, my, the voice is obnoxious, and I apologize for that again. Um, but no I've, against you, man. I've done, they didn't last week. apart from, <laughs> apart from, you know, my work, which thank God that I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate enough to have a job where I, I work from home. So I don't have to worry about missing out on work and, and my paycheck because I'm, you know, sick and at home and whatnot. Aside from handling my business for work, I've been lying in bed most of the last couple of days, just going through the books and, and hammering through them. My goal is to be, and I've got basically, well, I've got less than 30 days to do it because the deluxe edition comes out on the seventh. Um, I need to finish the last two books before this game comes out, because I want to go into it with having absorbed as much knowledge as possible, because I want to be able to have those, you know, when you go into a, a adaptation for something, when you have far more context than the average Joe, and so you're able to pick out far more nuanced things that you know were placed there, because they knew that legitimate fans would be watching this. You know, things like what the MCU used to do. Um, not so much anymore. Now they just kind of poke you in the eye. Um, but I want to be able to do that with this game. And I think I'm, I'm on track for doing that. And that's that's the kind of excitement around this that is so fascinating and has me so hyped. And more IPs need to follow suit. Stop worrying about what the fringe maniacs on Twitter who don't have capital to buy your product anyway. Like all these people, they're saying they're boycotting the game. If they're, you know, just regular Twitter users, I say regular, they're weirdos. Um, but, you know, just they're some weirdo on Twitter. You probably eat your cat's food and could afford, couldn't afford to buy the game anyway. Shut the fuck up. 
Nobody cares. That's not a lost sale. Or all of these games journos from Kotaku or The Gamer or Game Rant or Screen Rant clamoring, don't support or buy this game or I'm not going to buy this game. Bitch, you get free review copies like a month ahead of time. What the fuck are you talking about right now? Exactly. Keep your ideology to yourself unless you're going to not do your job and, you know, back it up. Exactly. So rant over. <laughs> hey, good rant though. Justified rant. So let's keep this train rolling. Why do I still have this fucking image up? I'm sorry, folks, that I made you look at the second limited run games. Um, now, TLJ Screwjob, thank you very much for telling us about where you are in the Harry Potter books. You're also up next, says, don't remember the plot to the book since it's been over a decade since reading, but that's what makes... Oh, sorry, refeeling the stuff. Here we are again. Um, had little interest in the game, probably by two to SJ... Had a little interest in the game. Probably buy due to SJW. Buy due to... You're going to buy two copies just to spite SJWs? Is that what you're saying? Because... Buy two due to SJWs. I, I think how that... That's how that reads in my head. I'm not looking at the actual uh, chat oh. itself. But that's how it reads in my head and makes sense. You know what it is? It's just buy spelled differently. Sorry. Ah, uh, there it is. Me off. Uh, thank you, though, TLJ Screwjob. Uh, John Thomas, th again, thank you very much. I read all those in order. Darian 2 and 7, thank you very much. She says, hey, Mary. Oh, I already read that one. All right. Wonder says, a gun is a wand that can be cast Avada Kedavra. Avada Kedavra is the one of the three unforgivable curses in the Harry Potter lore. It's known as the killing curse. Um, it's a, a kind of a bolt of green energy. And the second it hits a living thing, that thing dies. Uh, Trace XL, thank you. He says... Mary, which spell do I cast to flay the skin off this character? I want to wear it because it's so soft. Mary? I guess that's what I'm going to say to her on the phone. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that now that Mary had left. <laughs> it, it came from Trace XL. So, Trace, thank you very much. Um, you know how to get to Mary. <laughs> Uh, Enrique, what's up? He says, Jeff, you should start a movement like Damon Lindelof and state that you are making a Star Wars movie. Also, Beverly Hills Cop Button, please. Okay. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. So, folks, I'm working on the new <clears throat> Star Wars film. It's called The Battle of Tanab, and it's how Han Lando got his uh, ranking in the Rebel Alliance. It's coming out March of Never, and I can't wait to tell you about it. I got Billy Dee Williams, Peter Mayhew, James Earl Jones, um, Warwick Davis, Peter Diamond, the original stunt coordinator, and Ralph McQuarrie. And if you can tell me which of those names are people that have passed away, you're a real Star Wars fan. Moving on to the buttons, though. Uh, let's see. You said Beverly Hills Cop button. All right, sure. Uh, where is my friend Axel Foley? I just like to say. <laughs> Jesus Christ. of a national fucking treasure was eddie murphy in the 90s i'll i'll give you the 80s the 90s he was slowly becoming a joke you know you're right you're right in, 90s for me would would have been um chris tucker oh dude chris tucker was awesome in the chris 90s. tucker is one of my all-time favorite actors that man is so talented he should be jailed for it honestly now I don't want to say anything on air because I'm working on a video and I really don't want to give ideas out. But remind, ask me about my Chris Tucker theory after we get off air because 
you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to type it in the private video. chat because my shitty short-term memory will also forget. <laughs> I get that sometimes, too, and then I realize I just haven't slept enough lately. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Enrique, yeah. I'm going to write my Star Wars film. It'll be out uh, around the same time as the Ryan Johnson trilogy. I mean, you guys are going <laughs> to love it. The Battle of so Tanab. Vaporware. Oh. We're going to file <laughs> that away with uh, StarCraft Ghost. Um, I wish this wouldn't have to be vaporware. Matt G's title: How to, How to Succeed in Queefing Without Really Trying. Oh, <laughs> I wow. want to watch that movie. It's Mia Khalifa, and that's it, uh, folks. If you would, we're gonna reuse. If If Sh Rebels Eight wants us to, we'll reuse Queef this week. Or folks, you can send it a different title. I think the WCVS guys and I would have way too much fun with Queefs this week. So, please send in the Queef titles. Phrasing. Oh, no, I know what I meant. And I meant what I said. <laughs> Track Media Only says, Anakin's real Sith power was getting a woman to have sex with him after crying about wiping out a village. Midichlorians paled in comparison. That's some emotionally manipulative shit. <laughs> I think that has more to say about Padme's bad taste in dudes than it does Anakin's emotional state. Like, if some woman comes to that me is crying about... Bad taste. Honestly, if some chick's like, oh, Jeff, I just killed a homeless guy and his family, and then I went to his uh, 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 deli and did this and that, I'm like, I, who the fuck are you, lady? Like, there's no sex. There's probably a police call or I'm going to get away because I don't want to be convicted. Look, I ain't white. People will blame me a shit with her, so we're not getting in <laughs> uh, Adama, thank you very much for your very generous super chat. He says, hail Jeff and Andrew. Have you heard the latest on J Jason David Frank and his oldest child saying that he threatened to do what he did because he threatened to do what he did before he actually did it, and his wife knew, but she was lying about it. Mary called that evil witch. Adama, I have not heard any new news about Jason David Frank, but I, I had, I thought I knew that information. Uh, maybe I didn't, and I'm just kind of piecing it together now. But that's messed up. I had heard that his ex-wife really was terrible, especially after I believe the other daughter died. And so yeah, I heard, I've heard a lot of stories that she was a bit of a witch. It, you know, it's the one, like Kevin Conroy's passing was sad. Other celebrities mean a lot. I know people get attached, but the Green Rangers, that's the one for me. And it, and yeah. it has been for, it's only been like two months, but that'll be the one that bothers me or sticks with me the longest going forward, especially because it's a guy that to his fan base, and no matter how old you were, you could be my age growing up watching Power Rangers, or you could be a new kid watching Power Rangers, he treated you the same and was a like an ambassador for that and really brought nothing but positivity. Some people had issues with some political stuff or whatever. I didn't know that shit. All I knew is that Jason David Frank was a cool dude who would uh, was great to his fan base and seemed to be loved by his kids. He so, loved his fans. Yeah, he did. He and the fans loved him back, dude. It, it's a regret that I never did one of the conventions that he was working. Because I should have, I would have got up. I worked one, my very first convention. I didn't have any money back then. Had I been able to afford it, I'd have got my Green Ranger figure autographed. Or my Dragon Dagger. Or something cool. Because uh, I love the Green Ranger. Oh, Fuck, yeah, I don't even call him Jason cool David cool to Frank. get my Dragon Dagger. <sighs> did you have the original Dragon Dagger? Or the no, I didn't get Legacy? mine until I got... Like the, the, when they did, what was it? It was a handful of years back. They started doing some re releases. Mm -hmm. um, Legacy you know, collection. They, yeah, exactly. They did the Dragon Dagger, they did Saba. And I grabbed the Dragon Dagger because green 
Ranger Tommy was my favorite. And my buddy, who was my roommate, grabbed Saba because White Ranger was his favorite. And it was just kind of this cool thing. And we, we you know, bonded more over just kind of rewatching and talking about some of the old Mighty Morphin shit. Um, and I think we even each grabbed like the Legacy, or not the, the Lightning Collection, um, Green and White Rangers, respectively. And it was just this cool thing. Um, you know, and I hadn't had Power Rangers toys since I was a young kid. You know, I had some of the, not the whole, the whole crew, but I had some of the, the flip head, um, Morphin ones. Yep. Um, you remember those? Oh God, I had them all. And My I mom had, busted her ass, but I had every Power Ranger toy. I was nice. a spoiled kid. I loved it. And I had the, uh, the Falcon from the movie. Um, when oh, I was little, I had friends. This was when I was still living in New York, which is where I was born. I had friends across the street who they had all of them. And they had um, they had the, the actual full-size Megazord. I had like the smaller one, but they had the full-size Megazord. They had the whole team. They had um, the Dragonzord. And the big kicker was that they also had, what was his name, Titan? Titanus, Titanus. Titanus. They had him. He was a big motherfucker. I had him too. Dude, and I was funny. like, oh my God. His name is spelled Tit Anus if you look at the box. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I'm not going to let you ruin that for me. <laughs> hey, I. Dude, I'm working on. I don't usually work this far out, but like this Christmas, folks, I'm going to have a comic titled Christmas 93 to celebrate the 30 year anniversary of my favorite Christmas. It's gonna be the story of a fictionalized version of my life where this woman is tasked, or where a kid goes to see Santa Claus and Santa Claus promises you're gonna get every Power Ranger toy. And the mom reacting goes, oh shit, how am I gonna live up to that? So it's based on a true story. I'll tell you the ending because I've talked about it a million times, but dude, that was still the greatest Christmas. It's been 30 years, but every Power Ranger and all that crap, it was like, I don't know. It was magic. I know that's people are like, oh, it's just thing. consumer. But nah, man, when you're a kid, that when matters. That's when you're stuff a kid, that that's, a lot. that's magic. Yeah. The fact that my mom pulled it off, because I believed in Santa Claus back then. And like when I got older and found out that Santa wasn't real, I'm like, Mom, how did you pull off the Power Rangers one? And she's like, oh, you know what, folks? That'll be when you can read the story. Yeah, there but you go. Cool, Don't get that cool, spoiler away. Yeah, no. But no, it was, a, it was a wonderful time. And there's something about that magic. Same thing, like, you go back a few years, the Ninja Turtles, you go back a few years, it's Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man, go back, it's Star Wars, before that it's the original G.I. Joe. Like, there's something to be said about guys and the toys they grew up with, and we really never grow up fully, which is wonderful, because you talk about geek We're culture. We're just able now to just buy bigger culture. and more expensive toys. Oh, yeah, like, for example, you talked about having the Megazord, as a, or your friend had the Megazord. All right, well, a couple of years back, I was like, hey, they made a new Megazord. I don't need... Who needs a $300 Megazord? I do. <laughs> like, yeah. the toys never stop. They just, like you said, they get more expensive, they get more detailed, and we just get bigger ourselves. We're just bigger kids. Like, the joy I felt back in the 90s getting the Megazord wasn't that different from when I opened up my shipping box from Big Bad Toy Store. I was like, oh my god, the Megazord's here. Hell like, yeah. You don't... You, you probably can hear it in my voice. You never get over this stuff. And that's a good thing to never get over, folks. It's always fun to remember happy times. And Adama, I know you brought up a super chat about the, the uh, Green Ranger passing away and something to be 
sad. But, you know, I can't even think about Power Rangers without thinking about all the happiness. And I don't want to speak for the guy because I never had the opportunity to meet him. But I bet you Jason David Frank would be happy to hear that even in his passing, when Power Rangers comes up, people go, man, what a great time I had as a kid. Like, that's the whole purpose of a lot of this stuff. So Absolutely. Uh, thanks for sending in that message. Folks, if you ever want to hear me talk about Power Rangers, gladly. Um, can't get into the lore, but if it's from the original three seasons when it was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, we'll talk. After that, Zeo, Turbo, In Space. I don't even know what comes after In Space. Overdrive? I, I don't Something? know. Something? I stopped Force? after I stopped after the Mighty Morphin movie. Um I was I was good. I saw the movie. I think I saw maybe the first couple of episodes of Zeo and I was like, eh, not interested. I got into Star Wars right after I take it back. Power Rangers was cool until about the movie came out. Then I got into Toy Story, and for some reason, to this day, Buzz Lightyear fascinates me. I love Buzz Lightyear. I hate mm -hmm. Disney. I don't like what they represent. But there's something about Buzz Lightyear I will always be excited for. And then I got into Star Wars, and my life changed. But that was your uh, trip through my childhood, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, we're going to read this last message, then we're going to talk some cape shit. So Rob Brandt says, Thursday's wrestling segment will now be more interesting. Oh, Rob, it is definitely going to be very, very interesting. Uh, folks, you're going to want to join us on Thursday, every Thursday. Don't ever miss out on a WCBS live show. Make us your top priority. Take care of your family, make sure you've eaten, and then put on WCBS. It's on at 830. You have plenty of time between dinner and bed to laugh with your friends, Nick, Kendo, Dion, and myself. And, you know, talk about the world of pop culture. Talk about the world. We have some new stuff coming, folks. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Now... Andrew, um, yes, WG Phil, did I get the Soul of Chigokin Megazord? That is the one I purchased. I I bought the Megazord. I bought the Dragonzord. I'm contemplating Titanus, Titanus. I, <laughs> I want to buy it. I don't think it's, I don't You're like Titanus. Man. When I had it as a kid, I never really liked the toy. Like, I put, I would put Titanus away. And when Titanus would show up on the show, then Titanus would come out. I would play with it for the hour or two. And mm -hmm. then after dinner, Titanus would go away until the next version or the next time he appeared on the show. So as an adult, when Titanus gets released, I'm like, eh, the Megazord's amazing. The Dragonzord's amazing. Titanus is like booster for me. You know? <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> wow. That puts it into perspective like nothing else can. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that that did because that's it, man. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is the exact Megazord I got, WG Phil. I bought it because I wanted to complete my uh, SH Figure Arts collection. I'm a nerd. Speaking of nerd, there are different types of nerds, folks. There are toy nerds, there are TV nerds, there are movie nerds, there are comic book nerds. And if you've been a longtime comic book fan, you've noted that uh, some of your favorite characters have probably been adapted to the big screen. I like Spider-Man, Andrew likes spider -Man. A lot of us like Spider-Man. We've seen, what, nine, ten Spider-Man movies? Great. Yeah, Most of them pretty good. Quite a few. But there are other heroes that don't get the same a level of adaptation, and there are some that do. One of the guys that doesn't is Ant-Man. He's got a new movie coming out. This will be Ant-Man's third solo outing, I believe his fifth appearance overall in the MCU. And uh, we had a trailer drop today, another trailer. Now, this trailer wasn't anything new. We knew the plot. We knew the villain. We knew exactly what Scott Lang and crew were going to get into in this new Ant-Man film. But I wanted to ask you, based on what dropped today, if anything caught your eye. 
Are you more excited or less excited for Ant-Man? So, to be completely transparent, I haven't actually watched the trailer yet. I heard that it dropped. I saw a couple of screenshots, and I said, eh, maybe I'll get around to it. Yeah. I actually quite enjoyed the first Ant-Man film. I thought Paul Rudd was a lot of fun in it. The second movie... It was, it was a movie. Um, it exists. I can't say that I was like super hyped. This is like for everything when it comes to Marvel these days, honestly, being completely honest. Um, it's hard for me to even pretend to be excited about anything coming out of the MCU these days. Like, I'm sure that there's going to be at least a level of quality to Guardians 3. But beyond that, I just don't. I don't, I'm not invested in this cinematic universe anymore. They stopped giving me reasons to be invested and to care. So I just, I just don't. And I, I saw a couple of screenshots of Kang and of what I surmise is supposed to be MODOK. Uh, that at least in the screenshot that I saw looked really, really bad. Like I wasn't really bad. I saw. And I was like, this is supposed to like i already knew this was going to be a, a 98.5 percent cgi heavy movie um th these these actors were primarily working around green screen for the entire damn thing at the time it was shooting but if that's what you're doing you got to put in quality cgi and that modok that i saw it it looked like you took a pile of shit stuck it on you know those uh you know the clay workers um spinning tables and shit that they use yeah. to form jars and stuff like you slapped it on that kind of did a hack job and then sprayed it with some gold spray paint that's what that modok looked like and i was like yeah i'm good so I haven't even gone back and what I meant to at the very least watch the trailer. I just didn't go back. And that should probably tell you like the level of importance that this movie's existence has in my life. See, I'm, I'm in a similar boat and it's weird. Cause I don't really dislike what I saw out of this trailer. And I watched it this afternoon. And went, Oh yeah, this is coming out. And Oh yeah, I do want to see Ant-Man. Cause I like the first movie and I love Paul Rudd, <sighs> but I don't think people can understand. Feelings are subjective. You got to understand. You feel how you feel. But oh yeah, I have been so underwhelmed by Marvel movies and so turned off by the people on the internet that defend the bad ones that even something that normally would interest me is harder to want to consume. And so I say this so all those people that think they're fighting the good fight by putting people that have a differing opinion in their place with all this woke shit that you're whatever you want to call it. Those are the people, though, that are going to cause your favorite, the properties that you love to champion and protect. People like you make me not want to spend money on them. Like, I actually will, like, go, oh, I think this might be popular or with this or that. Eh, I'll pass. I'll wait. I'll watch it on streaming, something like that. I'm just getting fed up with that conversation from those people. And they're turning me off from shit that I like, too. Yeah. This, this trailer is a, for a movie that is all green screen, which is going to be hard to get excited over. I was even watching the trailer, and there's a shot of Michelle Pfeiffer, and she's the wind blows and I thought she's in front of a green screen and some fan just blew on her to make this look real, but this doesn't look real. Yeah. Like they're nowhere, man. 
if I w- this movie can be shit on the same way that episodes two and three are shit on, and, or hear me out, have we reached a point where it's time to stop shitting on the prequels for being all green screen movies when your average big budget blockbuster is all just people standing in front of a green screen? Thank like, you. Are we over that now? Is, is are the Star Wars prequels fully uh, cleared of their crimes and their wrongs do, wrongdoings of being ahead of their time? I'm not going to change my opinion of the movies, but that argument I think is dead now because everybody does it. Yeah, you don't you don't get that argument at this point. Absolutely. And you know we have what February has Ant Man. Then there's a bunch of TV shows. Then there's something else coming out this year. Fuck, man. Uh, I think Aquaman comes out this year. Or I should say Aquabro 2. Hell, I was just going by what's only in the Marvel camp. Like, the MCU is vague as shit this year for me. I couldn't tell you. You know, back in the day, I could be like, dude, this movie comes out, and then this one, this one, and this one. And it might be this one after that. Uh, what is in Phase 4 now? Are we still in Phase 4? We are still in Phase 4, though. If Marvel Studios was smart, they'd forget it ever existed. Yeah, can we get to phase five, like, quickly? All right. Actually, no. We're in phase five. Are we really? Ant-Man starts phase five. Ant-Man starts phase five. Okay. Wow, phase four didn't last particularly long. I wonder why that is. Well, phase four started in 2021 and ended in 2022. It was a terrible phase that hopefully Disney will never want to uh, replicate. Because... Folks, for every Dan slot that wants to promote She-Hulk <laughs> or act like that garbage is empowering to women, or it's a fuck book. It's a CGI puppet. If a CGI puppet is empowering to you, you have your own issues. And if you think a CGI puppet is empowering to half the population, you're a fucking idiot, Dan slot. And fuck all your stupid characters you created. I would love to say rant over, but fuck them here, all. Here. If you can name me a good Dan slot created Spider-Man character, I'll apologize for one fuck you to Dan slot. But until then, because he created, is he Spider Gwen? Because no, Spider-Gwen. he he didn't create Spider Gwen. Uh, he created um, oh, the fuck was her name? Um, that's how useless she was. Silk, Silk, fuck yeah. Silk. He created Silk. She's useless. Um, he didn't add anything. Now look, he actually did a couple of fun story arcs before they went with the all new, all different Marvel and they did the worldwide shit. And then like that became the, the definitive decline of the amazing Spider-Man comic book. There were some fun stories scattered within his very long run on the Spider-Man book. He had a very long run. Too long. I agree. I agree entirely. Um, There were, a handful of standout fun stories but as far as new characters being added in no he didn't and he didn't reinvent the wheel he didn't do anything new in terms of uh adding in some new character that's going to be looked at from decades to come as being this standout people forgot about silk look i forgot about silk and i own a good chunk of his run um well i own the entire thing digitally I own most of it in singles, or I own a lot of it in singles, and I own the vast majority of it in trade paperbacks, again, prior to Worldwide, because that's when I was like, all right, this is just bad. Um, even though I do like the suit. I do like the Mark IV armor suit quite a lot, actually. It's one of you, the suits that I use the most in uh, the Spider-Man game. Did we both realize that we stopped reading Spider-Man around the same time? 
I think we did. I think we did. Yeah, there's something about like turning him into Tony Stark that went that made me go, nope, I'm done. Like, that can... just that made my skin crawl. Like that's not like I could totally buy. I actually liked the whole bit of him working at Horizon Labs and Same. like getting to do all of this stuff because what it did is that introduced new possibilities while he still kept Peter's character the same and he just kind of inserted him into new situations to where it's like, oh, how's he gonna how's he gonna act in this situation? This is this is a new position for him to be in. That was legitimately interesting. But then that you took it you took it too far and you made him fucking Tony Stark and then like ripped it all away, which is like, okay, well I guess that's I guess that's that Parker luck, but still like the way that you did it was just ass. Like, get out of here. You're done. Dude. You have outlived your usefulness. Beyond the, I'll tell you the exact moment I stopped reading Spider-Man comic books. I don't even remember the issue, but I remember exactly what happened. Peter Parker, Spider-Man is somehow in outer space. And so like after this fight, he just decides he's going to jump through the atmosphere and glide down to the planet and then use a web cushion to bounce up. And I was like, what the fuck did I just read? And yes, this is Spider-Man who can climb on walls and do all this other shit. But it's like, Spider-Man is not a planet jumping hero. This isn't he's a Superman. Broke dude from Queens. Yeah, he's, he's, a, the he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's a broke ass white boy from Queens. Like he ain't got money like that. And he doesn't have powers like that. Like, that would legitimately hurt him. Yeah, he's not invincible. Unless you're him. telling me he has some suit now that absorbs all of this shit. And even then, it's like, well, that that's taking it a, a, a bridge too far. Like, those... That tells me you've run out of ideas that make sense within the, the scope of what we know of this character. Well... The last thing I'm going to blame Dan Slott for, so he wrote the Spider-Verse comic. Yes. Which created the newest trend of making your superhero genre pictures just full of the superhero. No more villains. None of these stories are about villains. Since that, it's hero versus fucking hero. And I know Marvel's done hero versus hero since its inception. What is the Avengers? They fight the Hulk. They fight this character. They fight each other. I get that. That's not news to me. But what is bullshit is like, hey, here's a new Spider-Man movie. Who does Spider-Man fight? Spider-Man? Who's the hero? Spider-Man? There's 50 versions of Spider-Man. That's that's the selling point. Like this yeah. Ant-Man trailer. There were hundreds of Ant-Mans on screen lifting up the real Ant-Man like in the fucking Ant chain. I get what they Are were going for. shitting me? But when you have the multiverse and there are no stakes, why the fuck do I care? As an audience member, I'm supposed to have uh, a feeling or an attachment to the film like i just saw megan this past weekend pretty fun solid horror flick i at least cared that the main characters would survive i had stakes to hoping that these two would survive with ant-man and there's a million realms of possibility and a million different versions like what has disney created but a marketing black hole it's just a way to keep every version of every character relevant that's it but there's no stories to tell anymore because actors are too expensive, contracts are too pricey to negotiate, and they just never want to do it right. You also dilute the character. You dilute yes. the brand. Suddenly it's not as meaningful. The fact that Peter Parker was bit by this radioactive spider um, and, you know, gifted or cursed, however way you want to look at it, 
with these powers and eventually takes up this responsibility because of the great power that he now has. You look at that one in a billion chance and all of a sudden you replicate that uh, ad infinitum. Like, I'm sorry, suddenly that seems kind of less special. I don't care if it's another universe. Who says that just because it happened in this universe that it also has to happen in literally other every other uh, multiverse out there, whether it's two-way Peter Parker or somebody else? Like, I don't care. Stop it. The multiverse thing just needs to go away. I'm sick of it. There was a time in my life where I enjoyed the occasional multiversal trip. And the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, this this is a cop-out and an excuse for not playing within the established boundaries of the primary world, which everybody is familiar with. And so you're just slapping lazy writers or very self-obsessed narcissistic writers to say, well, I want to do my Spider-Man and my Spider-Man can act like this. My Spider-Man can be uh, trans and disabled and swing around while still being on crutches or a wheelchair. Like the fuck out of here. Go away. You have no use here. You are contributing nothing. You know what makes me laugh is there was a time when Stan Lee was concerned that making Daredevil a blind superhero would offend people. And so when they got letters, they were so concerned that they were going to get, you know, people up in arms. And they got people that were like, thanks, it's great to have this or that. We've gone beyond that. So they're like, yeah, you have a hero. We've jumped the shark. Oh, God. We've, we're fucking, society is Fonzie. We are so far. We've not that jumped shark the shark. Fun. We've got full on Sharknado. I was say, bro, we're out of the fucking water. We've crossed the pond. We're deep into another land. The shark has been. The shark's fucking dead. That's how long ago we jumped it too. That thing rotted. It's like the. It's like the whale in South Park. It's up on the moon, dying. I. It. There really isn't much for else for me to say on Ant Man. Like, I'm a comic artist. I love this shit. I still want to do things on my bucket list, but I don't fucking care about these movies. It's hard. Like, will I see this one for the channel? Yeah, guys, you'll get reviews. That's my job. Do I want to see this as a fan? First half of this trailer made me go, oh, this is kind of interesting. Second half made me roll my eyes. So at the end of it, no, I, I love Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is my favorite actor in the MCU. Hands down. I, is he the best actor? I'll go with that. Sure. I don't care. But he's just the most likable. He's the funniest. He's the most interesting. Nobody else takes the risks. Nobody else is uh, is willing to put himself out on Front Street like that all the time and keep himself interesting and entertaining. Amidst giants, nonetheless. Yeah. Amidst it, giants. And yes, that, that's partially a pun because he's fucking Ant-Man. Hey, he's great as Giant-Man, too. And uh, it's, that it's was, sad that that's where we are. You know, we're... We're legitimate geeks here. We actually want to love this shit. We don't want to just hate on this shit, which is why, like, look, while, yes, it's true, you should be 100% speaking with your wallet, and um, the, the less that you fund these people who tell you that they hate you, and the more you give your money to creators that don't hate you and actually respect you, that's important. At the end of the day, you go to see this movie and you say you like it, you had fun with it, good for you. Like, I don't, I'm not going to judge you for that. 
I'm not going to, you know, say, well, you're a, you're a woke ideologue because you went and saw an MCU phase five movie um, suddenly. Like, th- there's this weird adherence to ideology, lockstep ideology on both sides these days. And it makes to, me sad. To where you see people calling others whom 99 out of 100 times they agree with them. But then there's that one thing, and suddenly, you know, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, oh, you're an ist, you're a phobe, you're this, you're that, you're a terrible human being, you're a monster. Or, oh, you're just looking for woke points, so you're just an SJW, or you're this or that. Like, come the fuck on. Like, that's fucking childish. And that's not helpful to anybody. If Now, if somebody tries to make a stupid-ass argument and and come cross, you know, and, and not actually say something that makes any damn sense. It's fine. You have a back and forth with that, but just because somebody decides, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a chance and I'm going to enjoy it or I'm not, you know, it's going to be what it is. Like, don't, don't make enemies where you don't need to have them. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's incredibly dangerous to, start going into puritanical um, ideology on either side. You know, we, we see it from the SJWs. They eat each other alive. You mm-hmm. know, the second one of them, it could be for years, all on Twitter, Z-Snap, Yas, Queen, Slay, you know, they all agree with each other. All of a sudden, one person says one thing that is out of line to them. All of a sudden, they get thrown to the sharks like don't we be, say in woke busters they eat their own don't there be like go. that don't be like that do not become the thing we have been trying to fight against for so long now if you come to me and tell me that this is a good movie and worthwhile you better a tell me why just as a movie it's fun and worthwhile or you better have a good argument of how it somehow respects the source material, which I doubt is going to be an argument you're going to be able to make. But that being said, you go and see the damn movie. I'm not going to I'm not going to call you woke or an SJW on Twitter for wanting to go see a movie. Sometimes people just want to be entertained. Now, you and I are going to have to talk about something briefly because this is new news, and I just want to get it out there. But I'm going to read this message because... You know enough about wrestling to comment on this because Vince McMahon reportedly sells the WWE to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, like, fuck. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. So is Iron Sheik coming back? Is that... <laughs> he, he's still around. We just had WrestleMania 38 last year. He's going to come around. He's going to come back. He's going to break some fucking backs, put them in the camel clutch. Make some people humble. Going to fucking humble fools. Oh, now, Adama, thank you very much for your generous super chat. Adama says, 1993 was my favorite Christmas as well. I couldn't even bring myself to quit watching Power Rangers through the seasons. My superhero life started with Batman, Ninja Turtles, and then Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It then took off. Adama, I would love to know, just with that, if you're comfortable, just tell me how old you were back then. I was five for Christmas 93, so I'm just always curious to, you know, see what people are into versus age, vice versa, all that fun stuff. It was such a good Christmas. Beyond Power Rangers, I got uh, Nightmare Before Christmas toys. I don't know why. 
but I liked that movie as a kid. Even though I never saw it as a kid, I just liked the... Basically, the commercial what? and the merchandise <laughs> were enough to get me excited to ask for the toys. So, it worked. That's and then fair I saw enough. the movie, and I, I kind of liked it, but I didn't like it enough. There was something about the weird claymation. That and James and the Giant Peach just didn't do it for me as a kid. For as much as I'm an artist today, back then I was like, give me the Lion King, give me Aladdin, give me something else. That's fair. Cleaner animation. Yeah. But Adama, I... All right, Andrew, you can laugh at me too. I didn't realize the Power Rangers were like supposed to be regular superheroes until I got a little older. Because as a kid, they were just the Power Rangers. So I never thought of them as like Spider-Man or Batman. And then I was watching this YouTube video years ago called Juggernaut Rangers, where Zordon's like, y'all the gayest form of superheroes I've ever seen. And I went, oh, wait, the Power Rangers were superheroes. Shit, I just thought they were <laughs> that's like... What gave, that's what gave you the realization. <laughs> yes, I never, I never put them together as superheroes. It's just like, they're just teenagers with attitude, you know, but they're the nicest kids on the planet. I'm not, I'm not going to high side or front or anything. Like I'll, I'll be completely honest. I didn't look at them that way growing up as a kid when I was super into them. It wasn't until several years later, I'm not talking like two or three years ago or anything, but it wasn't until several years later where I learned that, oh, this was actually kind of a weird hybrid port slash copy of something from Asia. And, you know, then I learned, oh, that that actually was like a superhero team over there. Oh, so these were actually supposed to be superheroes. I, And it's kind of funny because I feel silly not realizing that sooner because they've got all the hallmarks of superheroes. Like, okay, so what, what's the difference? They only have the superpowers when they have their suit on? Okay, so does Iron Man. Like, there are plenty of characters that, you know, are based on uh, their, their powers and abilities are housed solely within their suit. Or, you know, maybe... Uh, Take He-Man, for instance, when he wields and hefts his sword, you know, becomes more powerful, things like that. We we see examples of this all over the place. And I don't know why I didn't put two and two together growing up as a little kid when it came to that. But at the, I guess to be fair, at that point, um, I didn't have like a ton of comic books. You know, I watched, you know, Batman and X-Men, Spider-Man and, and Superman, Justice League and all that, the animated series. Um but as far as comic books go, I had my Sonic comics, I had The Flash, I had Superman, I had some Batman and Spider-Man. So I didn't have a ton in terms of like superhero comics. I knew of plenty of other heroes, but my exposure was still fairly minimal. And I just you know, never put two and two together on uh, on the fact that the Power Rangers, yeah, those, those also, are superheroes. One other element, we grew up in that era, like in the early 90s, late 80s, whatever, where they would still, like the traditional version of a superhero was still... Like the old, like old school Superman was still kind of how superheroes were still talked about. And I know where yeah. Batman 89 had been out, where X-Men 92, all this shit had come out and things were different, but not at the big mainstream, like the mainstream tippity top mainstream news stuff was still stuck on Superman is, you know, truth, justice, the American way up, up and away that, that era that was still really, really pervasive when we were growing up. So Power Rangers were different. I'm glad I wasn't the only kid on there on a... I didn't realize they were a superhero island. But Adama, I'm glad you never gave up on your superhero journey. My superhero life has never ended either. It's just changed mediums and forms. But I'm still a big fan. Uh, no matter how bad shit gets, there's always the classics. 
Yeah, we, we still always have the the fun stuff of old to fall back on. That's an important thing we'd like to really hone in on here lately, which is, yes, we, it's important for us to laugh and poke at and, and mock and pull our wallets away from the stupid crap the mainstream's been doing. And then talk about and enjoy the stuff that we did love, you know, the stuff when it was good. There's no reason why you can't say still that you love Spider-Man. There's nothing wrong with that. Just probably shouldn't waste your money on current Marvel comics. Just go back and read some back issues. You know, it's totally fine. Whatever. Nobody's saying you can't like Spider-Man anymore. And nobody's saying you can't have fun geek conversations about Spider-Man, about Star Wars, um, about any of this stuff. Yeah, I have fun um, talking about this shit still, no matter how bad it gets. Um, I love when we get into the conversations where we bring up an artist or a writer, go on to the minutia. Like, there's still a lot of fun to be had. No matter how much apathy it sounds like we're exuding, there is love. There's love for what we do here on the on our YouTube channels and uh, stuff like that. And there's still comic book movies and comic book superheroes and stuff are like a, a mistress that did you wrong. Yeah, she's done you dirty, but you remember the good times, and still you're still holding on to the good times. And that's what a lot of us are holding on to—those good memories. Those, ch and that's where they get you, folks. They buy up the shit you like. Ooh, hey, let's dangle the carrot in front of you. Hey, Jeff, mm -hmm. remember the X-Men when you were a kid? Yeah, I do. Oh, well, here's some high-end Japanese figures. All right, I'll buy them. Oh, here's some VHS <laughs> stuff. Okay, I'll buy them. Here's X-Men '97, the continuation of the show. Fuck you, I'm done. Like that's. That's the line you have to ride. Like, yeah. I am the biggest enthusiast for, like, you want to sell me a vintage-style Spider-Man toy line where the toy boxes look like they did in 1994? I'm there all day. You want to get Christopher Daniel Barnes to return and revive the series? Fuck it, I'm done. Like, I don't want... what The reason why I think a lot of us kids as adults will open up our wallets for these things is because you make us feel a certain way. But when you try to bring something modern to it, and change it, then we could smell bullshit a mile away, yep. and we're done. Nope, so, that's when you can kiss our entire ass. Yeah, all of it. All of it. <laughs> um, we have another message from Adama. Thank you very much for another generous super chat. He says, I was eight, year olds that eight years old that Christmas, Jeff. Andrew was right. So much of the so-called Power Rangers knockoffs were brought over from Japan and redone for us. I enjoyed all of it. Adama one thing you'll laugh at is I didn't realize, like, as a kid, we didn't know it was J Japanese, but as a kid, I went, why does it look different when they morph? Mm -hmm. I just picked up on the film grain because I did look into it. It's either the film grain or the, in the Eng in UK, they use like PAL and there's like a different refresh. So I, I'm pretty sure Japan's NTSC, but mm -hmm. either the film grain or the frame rate or something that it was shot at is slightly different than the American footage. And even as a five-year-old, I was like, What's different? I couldn't tell. I didn't realize that Yellow Ranger was a guy or anything like that. But I was like, they're different when they change in their suits. And then as a kid, I liked the newer seasons because they ran out of Japanese footage. And so the, the footage would match. Yeah. But as, but as an adult, I've gone back and watched and I'm like, I know this is a kid show, but the choreography was much more superior when it came from Japan than it did when it was oh, American. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh. Uh, Yakusei, if you want us to talk about who would win in a fight, so we can bring some of that stuff back next week. Dude, um, we I love. I used to love that kind of shit. It, it's always funny. Like when I, every now and then, I'll uh, I'll, you know, scroll through YouTube and and look at various superhero versus 
you know, battles and things like that. And not because I necessarily find the the death battle trope to be interesting, because I think that's in some ways outlived its usefulness. Um, but what it does is that for me, it tells me the level of knowledge that these people have when they're making this like, okay, how, how much do you actually know about these characters? Let me, let me check you on this. Um, so it's like, if, you, if you're making a death battle or uh, a character breakdown that involves say the flash for me, it doesn't matter which one, like you better know what the fuck you're talking about. Cause otherwise I will let you know in the comments. <laughs> That's and that kind of stuff's right. fun. It's kind of a fun exercise as well in the level of know-how that we have as fans. It's like, ah, yeah, but no, actually, I, you are not taking everything properly into consideration. Um, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you may as well hand over the script to me. We can dream. We used to have those kind of debates, though, all the time as geeks. Well, you let's know, have one next especially week, Especially comic book fans. Let's, let's, you pick a fight, and I'll pick a fight. And so we'll go, hey, Andrew, who would win in a fight? And then I'll list you the things, and we'll go, you'll say yours, and then I'll do mine. You want to do that okay. next week? Yeah, I'm down with that. I think that yeah, could be fun. fun. Have, a, have a classic, old-school geek breakdown. Yeah, I love it. Uh, folks, bring yours. and then That'll you be a dedicated cape shit segment. Yes, we will bring that back. Or we will we will introduce that next week. I told you folks, we're going to bring new stuff to the, all the shows, all the channels, all the segments uh, that you want are coming your way in 2023. Just takes time to implement them. Can't start out from the gate fresh. Uh, we're going to build. So be on the lookout next week for that. Uh, Matt G, thank you. He says, hope next big franchise is not based on any book nor any books uh, based on it. So we don't have casuals versus hardcore thing. Would be nice for once. I don't I like how John Wick is right now. Yeah, I think there's a, a fundamental misunderstanding on both sides when it comes to the casuals versus hardcores thing. Um, most hardcores don't actually have an issue with the casuals because I think that it's important for people to just enjoy a thing for what it is. You know, that's that's part of how the Harry Potter, uh, Harry Potter didn't need any help, really, but it exploded even more with the movies. Right. And same thing with the earlier MCU. Um, and that brings more revenue and that's more opportunities for more projects and as fans of this stuff that's what we should want right it's like ooh, we get more content of the things we love that being said where casuals or normies become a problem is when they decide to act as though they know what's best and act as though they know better than the hardcores. That's the only time I have a problem with normies. It's like, if you just tell me that you enjoy the MCU, but you don't know shit about the characters from the comics, but you're happy to defer to somebody for their expertise, otherwise you're happy to just sit there and enjoy the movies casually. I have nothing but respect for that. No problem whatsoever. I will, I will happily sit beside you on the couch and enjoy the damn film as long as it was one of the first three phases with you. Um, but it's when you try telling me if something is legitimately incorrect, if you try telling me that it's correct just because you saw it in a movie. That's when I start. That's, that is when I have issues with normies. The only, my complaint with normies isn't even a complaint. It's, I think people 
should just go and consume all of this because it's entertaining. Like, I hate when people are like, hey, Jeff, where should I start reading Spider-Man? And they want me to, like, pick, like, a jumping on point. My answer is Amazing Fantasy 15. Start at the beginning. Like, if you really want to get into these characters, start at the beginning and, like, understand them. And they're, they're, I'm not asking you to go read fucking Plato. I'm not asking you to read something dense. I'm not even asking you to read something uh, long, like a Harry Potter book with 800 pages to commit to. Comic books are 23 pages. Hell, these old stories are like 10. I mean, Amazing Fantasy has... Most of you probably don't realize this, folks. Amazing Fantasy 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man, isn't only Spider-Man's book. It's Spider-Man's story, and then it's a story about this alien, which I won't spoil the twist for. It's you. You know, if you would have asked me in 1962 which story I liked more, I probably would have told you I liked the alien story better than I liked the Spider-Man story. Luckily, I didn't get to decide what took off, but... I digress. Have you ever read that story, Andrew? I have. I have only held a copy of Amazing Fantasy 15 in my hands once. It was an old, beat-up copy. It wasn't mine. I was maybe nine years old, I want to say. It was my buddy's copy, which was a hand-me-down from his older brother. <laughs> God damn, that's amazing, though, because... I've never held an Amazing Fantasy 15 in my hand. I've never even seen one in person. I know I have. I've seen them at cons. It's a bucket list item. Amazing Spider-Man number one is a bigger bucket list item. And people would go, why would you want to own that over Amazing Fantasy? Which is not over, but it's what do I want to own first? Geek mm-hmm. talk. To complete the collection of Amazing Spider-Man 1 through 800 and whatever seems like a bigger deal than getting Amazing Fantasy 15. Also, mm-hmm. both books are in the million-dollar range, so it's not like <laughs> I'm picking a $50 book versus a million-dollar book. If it's yeah. strictly on money, give me Action Comics number one. Dude, I have had talks with my friends. If I could time travel, I would go back in time. I would take $10. I'd buy $10 worth of Action Comics number <laughs> one, and I'd come back to the future. Oh, Jeff, you're not supposed to fuck with the timeline. If those 100 kids didn't get their copy of Superman tough shit they weren't going to become the artist that created superman or change the character so fuck it i don't care that's what i'd do in the timeline that's how cynical and sinister i'd be <laughs> i'd buy comic books and flip them. i like that them. plan i like that plan quite a lot actually well folks if you want to help make that happen invent time travel and send us back uh i'll get a maybe DeLorean. maybe you should make a comic book about that it would do you think people so i have all these ridiculous scenarios about what i would do with time travel what i need to do is write some kind of overarching story where i can just plug these stupid ideas for time <laughs> people would read it like yeah it's kind of like rick and morty but it's nothing like rick and morty there's no blood or death or fucks <laughs> sorry about that folks um all right andrew let's talk about this briefly because we've had a great show tonight folks I want to thank everybody who supported the high council that's been a fantastic show, show guys thank you so much uh wwe so apparently and this is new news vince mcmahon reportedly sells wwe to saudi arabia uh private investment firm so this comes from blue checkmark Stephen mulhausen on facebook who says sources wwe has been sold to saudi arabia's public investment fund the company will go back to being private unknown if vince mcmahon will return to head of creative but is expected by some people now didn't we just hear earlier that he was returning to head of creative so no what we had heard earlier is oh did vince i hear that no he is coming back you're correct but he was coming back to aid in the sale of the company oh, so okay. from a creative standpoint it was always going to like up until today it was 
Vince was going to come back. He was going to take control, help facilitate a sale of the company because he's been there since the beginning. And then that was the point. But today, the chairman, the CEO, Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, quit. She didn't just, you know, change position. She resigned. Her husband, Triple H, is the head of creative. If he steps away, personally, I'm going to lose interest in wrestling altogether because wrestling has been on a downward spiral for years. Vince McMahon is a senile old fuck. Yeah, he he let it stagnate really badly. He did, dude. And I look at it. The reason I say something so harsh about that is not because I don't respect Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon has created some of the best wrestling in history, but he's responsible for every bad thing, too. Yep. If, it's a, if, it, if it comes from the WWF slash E from 1983 to today, with the exception of the few months he was gone, good or bad, it's his fault. Yep. So let's stop acting like, oh, Vince is responsible for the Attitude Era. Vince is responsible for Santina Morella and all that yep. bullshit. And every garbage WrestleMania and every garbage pay-per-view and every garbage match you ever sat through, Vince okayed. And Vince thought it was good shit, pal. And so now he's back. And... The fucking Saudi Arabian private investment fund, public investment fund. Now, Andrew, I know you don't follow wrestling the way I do, but have you noticed or have you been aware that the WWE goes to Saudi Arabia every year and does a, a show? I knew that they did. And I did know that they did. A lot of people take issue with when they go to Saudi Arabia for the political reasons. Um, I usually stay out of the politics of stuff because I figure business, art, this and that. But I understand, like, from the wrestler's standpoint about not wanting to go to these lands. Especially the, in the beginning, the women couldn't even go. Yeah. They were like, oh, now they wrestle in these, like, plastic bag things. And they'll go over and they'll have these big Saudi Arabian super shows. And they're su- they suck. They're garbage. It's They make money for Vince. And nobody else likes them. And so, with Vince McMahon selling to the Saudi Public Investment Fund... A company that is based on sex and violence and American... I'm just going to say Americana. Because for as fucked up as wrestling can be, it's very patriotic. Every time... Look, back in the day, it was Hulk Hogan waving the flag, beating up the Iron Sheik and, you know, the the Iraqi sympathizer Sergeant Slaughter. And then, post 9-11, you got guys like The Rock draped in the American flag, Kurt Angle, the literal American hero, Olympic athletes left in... Well... Only one gold medalist, but a few Olympic athletes have performed in the WWE. My point is, though, it was really, it's an American thing. It's so fucking American. Even, like, for all of its faults. Like the country, for all of its faults, it's still America. Like with wrestling, for all of its faults, it's still an American product. The WWE, I know they like to think of themselves as a global enterprise, as this global scale business. At the end of the day, it's about guys in tights throwing each other around it comes from the the greeks and the you know the ancient eight days but it's still pro wrestling's built in america and the fact that it's going to saudi arabia pisses me off i'm not even a patriot i'm not even a guy that's going to go out there tell you to vote this and that but come on vince you piece of i am i am upset I'll save it for Thursday when the guys and I can go on and there's more news. But I want to throw something. Like, legitimately, I want to throw something. This is bullshit, dude. This is how one of my favorite art forms is going to die. You sell it to a fucking, the most buttoned-up culture out there? What? I think No wonder they fired Mandy Rose for showing her tits on the internet. This is what was always going to fucking happen with this company. 
yeah the the most interesting part of this to me i mean that that's horrible i agree entirely the really interesting part of it to me though is stephanie mcmahon just flat out quitting yeah like that that's really interesting to me like she just said she said fuck it see you bye like where where, where does that leave hunter you know he they're kind of you know married <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's been the head of creative like is he's gonna stick around but she's not like that that could have some potential lasting consequences in terms of strain and pressure on their marriage and here was this thing where they were effectively going to be the inheritors of these of the of this massive property but vince and his ego couldn't help but get in the way no vince and his ego what's a bigger detriment to the wwe vince and his ego or vince and his dong and i don't even care about you know what you do i'm not here to judge the from a moralistic standpoint but it's like i want good wrestling i want quality wwe television and i want this guy to stop fucking it up please yeah i'm I don't have anything else to say. I just, God damn it. Um, Darian, is Wrestle, is this WrestleMania going to be the last one? I, realistically, Darian, if the WWE sells to Saudi Arabia and they host WrestleMania in that part of the world, I'm not going. It's not about uh, my values or my views. I just don't feel safe going there to like go to see wrestling. I'm not going to travel thousands of miles. It is, it's any country, really. I don't want to go... I like just to see wrestling here. You know, I'll travel it's, around. It's America. an American thing, as you yeah. said. I, I I can't I can't get into that, Darian. I know we're going to be hanging out at WrestleMania, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this. I hope, and I know this is dark. I hope this doesn't work, and I hope this ends whatever the WWE is, because I I fully am against this, <laughs> folks. This is as hard nosed as you're going to hear me take. Fuck this shit. All right. If we didn't have stuff on the books committed to you, we wouldn't even I wouldn't even want to watch the Rumble right now. But we committed. It's on the books. Made a promise to the the audience. Unlike the WWE, we're not going to sell our company and fuck off, leave you guys hanging. No, we're going to we're going to follow through. Um, but goddamn it. I'm just I'm going to leave it alone. I'm fucking pissed. You can hear it in my voice, and there's nothing else to say. You guys so better be here for Thursday night's show. Sounds like it's going to be a doozy. Yeah. Look, Andrew, the reason I said I want to throw something and didn't is because in front of me is three Spider-Man figures, an Iron Man, a Wolverine, and a Cyclops, and a Rocky statue. And don't throw those. And also a Ray Stance Ghostbuster. I'm not going to throw any of these guys. I just, I'm just pissed. Vince ain't going to buy me new toys, so I'm not going to break shit. Mm. So, Adama, thank you very much. Hey, Jeff, just a little trivia for you. Years ago, there was a Green Ranger versus Ryu fight video and Street Fighter Mighty Morphin Power Rangers crossover. There are now Power Ranger Lightning Collection figures of Street Fighter. I have seen the design. The only reason I know more about that version than I should is because he is featured in Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, which is a game I like to play quite a bit. Uh, the Whatever he's called, the Street Fighter Ranger, or um, whatever you want to call him, um, he's like the second, he's the second level. So mm -hmm. I like him. 
he's uh, great design. That's the kind of crossover that 90s Jeff would have gone nuts for. Like, I thought it was amazing when G.I. Joe crossed over with Street Fighter to sell you those little figures. But, like, Street Fighter Power Rangers, the one that blows my mind is Power Rangers Ninja Turtles. Because as a kid, they were, like, enemies. Oh, you either liked one or the other. Yeah. Okay. Now they fight. Now they're really part of the, you know, it's cool. I like this shit. Power Batman Ninja Turtles was another great crossover. That was fun. <laughs> I loved it. Um, now, ah, Dama has those. So, Andrew, I think we've reached a great ending point. We've had a great show, folks. Is there anything I else you'd like to say? I think we've had a full show. I thought it was oh. a, a filled to the brim. We had we had laughs. We had information. We had almost throwing things. Almost. <laughs> um, if you ever come maybe... across Vince McMahon, if he does do this sale, just you know, Suplex City, bitch. I haven't thought of Suplex City in a minute. I, uh... <laughs> Fuck yes. Are you a Paul Heyman guy? I am a Paul Heyman guy. That guy is, for all the problems, I know that was a rhetorical question, but I'll say this. For all the problems he caused ECW in terms of finances, he's got a brilliant mind for wrestling, and he's one of the greatest managers ever, and a damn fine commentator. WrestleMania 17 is the greatest show of all time, and Paul Heyman's voice is on that show. So, few managers are like him. That's for damn sure. I love the conversation. Who's better, Bobby the Brain Heenan or Paul Heyman? And no matter how hardcore of a wrestling fan you are, both guys have the same level of respect and ammunition for either argument. That's a debate I want to have one week. Two wrestling fans, Bobby Heenan, Paul Heyman, who was more influential, who brought more to the table who helped the business more. Let's have that happen in the future, folks. So, Andrew, let's get out of here, man. From all of us here at WCBS and the High Council, thank you for watching. Uh, be smart, be safe, be cool. Let me find a good wrestling button to end on because it's the end of the WWE as we know it. But always be excellent to each other. Screw you! You're fired! Fire! Fire!